this week? Well, boy, howdy, WWE sure decided to pull some shit, huh? We're going to break down today's news on WWE's catastrophic attempts to cut costs during the COVID-19 pandemic and the ramifications of what that means for the industry at large. Plus, we'll scatter the XFL sorrows to the heartless sea, and I guess Wednesday wrestling happened? All this and more tonight on Heal Alternative. one and all it is a wednesday april 15th tax day 2020 and welcome to episode 26 of heel alternative pro wrestling.cools i mean usually it's a posse podcast but definitely not this week you're oh, welcome no. and also it's somehow the interim official podcast of pro wrestling.cool it's not just cool it's dot cool we're here this week to cover all things in the world of professional wrestling which is uh, nothing um john yeah? I don't mean to break in here before you introduce me, but there's another voice in here. There is. I'm your host, John Gabrisky Maxwell, and we are joined, uh, of course, by uh, Trace Evans and Oscar Bernard. Hello. Howdy. And joining us for the first time here on the Outlaw Mud Show, uh, from the mothership itself, heel turn host and uh, editorial director of ProWrestling.Cool, Owen Douglas. Hey, I mean, I don't have a regular show now, so I guess I'll show up here every now and then. Are you sleeping on Heel Alternative's couch now? Uh, no, I own the couch. That's the other show. God we can't it. cross the universes here. That That's the other show. And that bit did not go out yet, Oscar. I'm going to excuse everything I say like we did last night by mentioning I got fired yesterday and I'm still drinking all the time. God. That sounds pretty awesome. I need Shit. to... Shit! You should have you told me. I would have gone and got grabbed some White Claws. Jesus. I it's... just want to point this out. He, you can't see this in the podcast form of this if you're listening. He's drinking Smirnoff Ice. That's my favorite. God damn it. It's it's Smirnoff Ice Day. Damn it. I should have gotten some. I was going to get White Claw, but the store was out. You're Fair. pouring one out for Rusev, huh? Yeah. Yeah. I'm drinking the beverage of his people, which WWE has told me is all the same. So we should probably just skip right into What was that your bullshit. first icing experience, Oscar? Uh, my first icing experience was okay. when we did Extra Life 2018. And we had brought over my co-worker, who no longer works there anymore. But he was, like, deceptively good at it. And by that, I mean he always just put Smirnoff Ices on top of the toilet. <laughs> and every time someone went to the washroom, you just heard someone yell, Oh, God damn it! Every single time. He get, he tricks them every single time in the same way. That's, we, you know what? <laughs> so if the people don't learn. The problem is, there's no way to avoid it. If there's one toilet, people gotta go. You Here's... go into the toilet with your eyes closed, and you never see it. 
I can tell you from a childhood experience that's very traumatic to me. Uh, don't go Shit. into the bathroom without lights on or blind. It ends very poorly. Also, they're all guests in my house. That's not happening. Right, my, fair enough. My, my strategy has always been, if you're going to have any fear of being iced, just ice yourself first. Assert dominance. <laughs> that's how I got along with the giant bomb folks before they thought of anything. Fair enough. Dear God. All right. Let's just, let's not waste any more time, y'all. We got to get into the news of the world of professional wrestling because, oh, dear God, you know, as much as we try to avoid the bad place, like, considering that, you know, heel turn's kind of on a break right now and Mm -hmm. some shit happened, like, we really got to, we really got to get into things here. That's why I'm here. Unpack this. We got to unpack the news of the day. So, to set things off, we need to do do need to get the wheels in motion of everything that's happened since the last time uh, we did a podcast last Wednesday, which is, of course, as we knew, uh, WWE had decided that they were going to resume tapings. Uh, they had planned to tape like five weeks of shows on uh, Friday, uh, starting on Friday uh, last week. <laughs> Apparently, they taped SmackDown. And then Vince decided, actually, you know what? We're just going to go live. Yep. Every Monday, every Friday, and it seemed like every Wednesday as well. Although we'll we'll get to we'll get into that a little later. But definitely, uh, Raw and SmackDown seemed to be like Raw this week seemed to be live. Well, here's the thing, John. Yeah. Because, like you mentioned with NXT this week, where it didn't say live in the corner, it also didn't say that during Raw. Well, I didn't know that because I have not seen any Raw, but yeah, that's interesting. I watched, it. I watched a bit of it. I'm wondering if maybe it was on like an hour or two delay or something. Hmm. That would they make gotta sense make to sure, me. They got to make sure that Janet Jackson stays covered. As you God do. Damn you. Yeah, I mean, basically the Janet Jackson of wrestling being Matthew and Botchamania. So, clearly there's a lot of stuff that's, you know... There's a lot of stuff about this whole thing and how WWE is now an essential business and gets to run live and all the stuff that we really do need to get into. And I don't think that we have the time for it on this episode. So we're going to put a pin in that conversation until maybe next week, let's say, because we can't even really focus on all of that and the ramifications of that because we have to focus on what happened today. I I feel like before we get into what happened today, though, we should go into what happened a couple days ago. Because I really think that the bankruptcy of the XFL kind of set this whole thing in motion. Oh, boy, howdy. Yeah, let me, uh, let me just uh, do a thing here. Where's the kind of football that the NFL used to be? Where's my smash mouth wide open football? Ball, 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 ball. Go, Oscar. Ball, so, ball, ball. I think that... Um, I just remembered that my camera is off in Discord and my pointing at you doesn't work. Yes. <laughs> um, Live show, folks. Yeah, the so the XFL, after suspending their season about a month ago, has officially declared bankruptcy now. And... I can believe every XFL player is dead, it turns out. I will say, I'm genuinely shocked the XFL lasted less time than it did in 2001. 
That's kind of amazing, yeah. Mm -hmm. You know... Obviously extenuating circumstances. Yes, no, definitely. Like, the sad thing is, is this time around the XFL actually seemed like it was pretty okay. Like, people seem to like that. From the little bit I watched of it, like, you know, as someone that doesn't really care about hand egg, like, it seemed like perfectly decent football. Ball, 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 ball. Ball. Um, but yeah, and then I believe it came out after the XFL declared bankruptcy that WWE apparently owns 20% of it. Mm-hmm. Despite yeah. assuring the, sh- the stockholders of WWE that they would not have any financial involvement in the XFL. So it's hard to know what this uh, what this stake is. It does sound like from from things that I've heard postulated, it seems like it could be a situation where they WWE just has an ownership stake in it, so that like Vince can use the uh, basically so that Vince can use the the rights to the name XFL because that's a WWE property. Correct. I, I thought that was the whole point of Alpha Entertainment, though. Well, it's a separate entity from the WWE. And WWE owned the right to the XFL. So in order mm. for Alpha to use it, they, he had to make a legal transaction between the two, which resulted in WWE getting a uh, minority stake in the company. Yeah, Fair enough. It would have to be something that would actually make sense. You can't just, like... It's one of those things you can't just sell it for a penny and give, like, half a percent because people call that's, bullshit on that and you get in legal trouble. trading bullshit. Yep. Exactly. All right, fair enough. I wasn't... I, I'm sure there was, like, a... I, I figured there would be, like, a logical explanation to that. And yeah, they I, did apparently, like, disclose that this ownership of the Class B shares before. Yep, it was during an SEC filing in May of 2018. All right. Um... But it is it's still fair to say that WWE had no controlling ownership of it. Like, they didn't have any, like, real stake in it aside from, like, you know, just, you know, the ownership that they get as, like, you know, payment for turning over the rights of the name. Yeah, basically 20% just means they can take some profits off of it, maybe if they're distributed to it. But anything under 50% is considered non-controlling. I think even under 40% is, like, there are certain levels that the SEC and... Um, different finan- uh, governmental agencies will define as where you can actually influence the company legally. And also, like, Class B shares, like, are way less valuable than, than Class A shares, right? Yeah, because that's, like, um, that's something they can define on their own, and the WWE has long defined the Class B shares as basically you can't do shit with the company because Vince has the Class A that can vote. Yep, fuck you. Class A is t- ten, for- 10 of every uh, Class B. Yep, pretty much. But yeah, uh, geez. The problem with the XFL is it, it definitely, it really doesn't seem like it needed to end this way, though, because it definitely seems like, you know, Vince is declaring bankruptcy and all this is basically just a way to get out of, like, fully paying all the stuff that he owes, especially because he listed, like, didn't he list, like, a bunch of, like, the the prominent people that he owes, you know, payments to as creditors for this? Or debtors, whatever? Um, I I believe I heard something about that. It's a great way if you have no assets to really liquidate from the company itself and there's not enough ownership from to really pierce the veil into WWE too much. um, Yeah, you could totally use it to uh, kind of get your way out of having to pay any money or promise anything more than, well, guess we don't have any money. Uh, Mm -hmm. Screw y'all. Out the door. Out with you. 
I am genuinely curious, because I know we were talking, I think on this show or either off air, but about how Vince took out a loan and used the Class A WWE shares as collateral. Yeah, he can probably get out of that with uh, this as a result, or kind of get out with minimal um, punishment, basically. Yeah, Hmm. like he could probably just use that money. Yeah, like he could probably use the money that he was going to use on the, you know, on the, the XFL stuff. That like he's no longer going to be spending because he remember he did take out like three hundred seventy five million dollars to potentially pay for the league over the course of three years. So like he could just use whatever money he still has of that hypothetically to just pay back the loan and well he's good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's gonna be a lot also, of court documents. Go on, sorry. I'm also very curious just about the reasoning for declaring bankruptcy because I remember if, if I recall correctly when they had kind of done their initial investor meeting about it. They were like, Vince is, invest- Vince is putting in enough money in here that the league can run without turning a profit for three seasons. Yeah, because here's the crazy thing, is that, you know, even with the shuttering of the f- for the rest of the season because of the COVID situation, like, the co- uh, XFL would have actually lost more money running the games than just sitting it out. So it makes it even more confusing. Because with the TV deals, they were only getting money for the production. They weren't getting it for the staffing, the equipment, all that. That was all coming out of the XFL. Yeah, and they weren't even really getting, like, very good ad shares, were they? Not really, because that was mostly through the networks. Yeah, to my understanding, I don't think they were getting... Were they even getting any ad shares? I thought it was just, like... It was a promise from all the companies that are working with ABC and uh, Fox, basically. We'll put your programming on, we'll produce it, but that's it. Mm-hmm. For the most part, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure there's some other stuff I'm missing there. It's really glossing it over. But, yeah, there wasn't much there. Um, I mean, yeah, like, from everything I've heard, like, basically the idea was just it was a gamble of they if they could pull in consistent ratings and consistent mm-hmm. stuff over the course of a couple of years then ultimately Vince would be able to get a good deal like he's been able to get for WWE content and XFL would pay and his you know investment would pay for itself which kind of feels like they were getting the consistent ratings uh, it was See, decreasing the every week yeah week to week was always dropping was the thing like it but was it, still like as, as some people point out, it was it was definitely doing better than a lot of let's say, uh, a lot of MLB games, a lot of NHL games, a lot of NBA games. But you know, there's also way more of those. I mean, because I, I feel like because I was looking at the decrease from the standpoint of yes, it was decreasing, but I feel like anything can be expected to decrease week over week. That's a new thing once the general interest wanes off. But it was decreasing at a far lower rate than the original XFL was. Which is good, because that was a disastrous decline the original one had. I'm kind of thinking the strategy here, thinking from kind of the the scummiest bag of perspectives I can have, is that they were thinking, okay, by the time we get back on the air after COVID kind of blows over and run the remaining seasons we have in our deal, or the remaining seasons we think we need for profitability... Um, there's no way we're going to make the money back, so let's just pull the ripcord now and take the pain pills. I mean, think about this from just rich people and this being investments and messing with people as property rather than, you know, the actual 
entertainment value. I will say I genuinely regret not going to the Guardians game when I had a chance. I kind of do wish I went to one of those games still. Fuck the Sea Dragons. I mean, fuck the Guardians, too. They were terrible. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> Dragons are probably the worst team. Well, I, actually, I don't know anymore. But they were bad. There are no more teams in the XFL. That's true. We're gonna have to we're gonna have to read the names again with the Enya theme. It's terrible. I feel like we did this. We prognosticated this into happening. Yeah, we did. The Houston but... Roughnecks. No. Oh, it doesn't work. <laughs> Dang it. I don't have a bell or anything I can ring. The St. Louis Battlehawks. This is this will be casual Friday content. Come on, Oscar. <laughs> yeah. Nah, put it behind the paywall. Make him read every single roster. You know what? Actually, if we're going to read all 650 XFL players, yeah, no, that definitely does deserve to be behind Patreon.cool. For $5, give us money and you can hear us read all of the XFL players in our, our loving tribute to them as we prove that they're all diamonds. As Trace is signaling, $5. Just five. $5. Just five. Three and enough. You need five. Thanks, Biggie. Yeah, you're welcome. All right. But this is all to say that Vince has had a pretty bad week, turns out. Not the least well, I don't think also... Vince has had a bad week. I think Vince's employees have had a bad week. Yeah, yeah I think that's a real week. key of it. Didn't he get like a new job this week? He sure did. Yeah, okay, fair. Vin- the people that work for Vince in his various capacities have had a bad week, let's say. Although, I mean, hey, let's be honest, uh, considering the show that aired on Tuesday night, it's not like uh, Vince was having that good of a week either. No idea what you're talking about. Well, don't worry, Owen, because we'll talk about it in a little bit. But this is all to say that this is a prelude to... This morning, news came out that... WWE had told its employees that, hey, we're going to have a, a call around noon that everybody needs to, to listen to and be on. And then news started coming out that there was basically a very short five-minute call that uh, that Vince conducted where they announced their plans to not only uh, cut the pay for executives and board members, but to reduce headcount across the board in the company in response to the issues with uh, COVID-19. Um, you know, and they said that they would do this with uh, releases and furloughs. And basically from there, just that, like, talent would receive notice on their status via text. Which, that's cool. Yeah, cool in a way that it's entirely, completely fucked up. Yeah, no, completely impersonal and fucking terrible. Although it it sounds like, you know, it, it sounds like from what people have, that have, you know, gotten those those messages have said that like they actually did get phone calls but they just didn't answer it because they were smart well well someone clearly answered it as we'll talk about soon uh oh they didn't listen to uh, JTG back in the day well that's why they're texting now too exactly what is of course very interesting about this and I feel like this comes into the context of everything that we need to talk about and also comes in the context of everything that we have talked about leading up to this episode here on this very show is 
At the same time that they were doing this, they shortly thereafter were submitting a message to their investors, uh, reiterating a lot of the same things, that they were going to make these cuts and do all these things. But another thing, two other tidbits that they threw in there were that, for one, they were expecting that the changes that, you know, that these cuts that they were going to make and everything they were doing was going to save them about $4 million a month yep. in expenses. Hold on, you mean the same thing they paid for Goldberg for his two appearances recently? That's less than they paid Goldberg for, like, one of those appearances. No, but I mean, for, for both Mania and Saudi, it was $4 million total. So, the only... For just three and a half of these, you know, things, you could get uh, an appearance by uh, Tyson Kidd. Or Tyson Kidd, Tyson Fury, whoever the fuck he is. Hell yeah, let's go. (laughs) Yeah, bring Tyson Kidd back. Let's do it. I'm all for paying Tyson Kidd four million. That'd be amazing. The only thing I will say is, I believe that the Saudi stuff, like Tyson Fury, like one of those Goldberg appearances, I believe that was paid for by the Saudi government or the Saudi Sports Authority. Like, wasn't that one of the whole big things where it's like, WWE is not financing the talent pays for that, and that's why they're able to pay Shawn Michaels stupid money? I don't fucking know. I have no idea. Yeah, I don't care. That requires the knowledge of the bad place that I do not wish to have. Thank you. Even I don't want that information. So, yeah, they they tell their their investors that they're going to save about $4 million a month from these cuts. Uh, one other thing that they tell their investors that I thought was very interesting was that they have half a billion dollars on hand for operating expenses. Mm-hmm. Just between on-hand cash and uh, debts that they can lean on, they have $500 million. Only yeah. $500 million. That's That's clearly not enough. Well, that's the thing, though, is that according to Wall Street and their projections for the targets they need to hit... It isn't enough. So they needed to do this cut to try and get back to their targets. Which, if you're thinking that's bullshit, you're right. Wall Street is bullshit. It sure is! Like, suffice it to say that, like, they have a ton of fucking operating money on hand. Four million dollars is a fucking drop in the bucket compared to, like, you know, the money that they have versus the money that they would be spending. Like... $4 $4 million a month is not going to make a huge difference for them. But it gets them closer to those projections for the quarterly targets that they might hit despite the coronavirus. And if they get close to that, then that makes their stock price look very, very good. To all the goddamn mutual funds and all the other people that don't understand them, but yet publicly own them. All about the stocks. Yep. What I, what I will say as well, though is there's a part of me that wonders if part of their reason for dire financial projections or whatever bullshit they're spewing is if they can't go to Saudi Arabia in October, then that's a huge financial hit for them because of their contract. Oh, they'll find a way. Come on now. You really don't think they'll find a way to get there? Life finds a way. You know, like, if for whatever reason that can't ha- if for whatever reason that show can't happen, I'm sure those shows factor in very large into their budgets and their earning statements. And... But Oscar, they're ingrained in the culture. That trip is essential. Yeah, they have to go. So let's get right on into it, y'all. 
here are the names of the people that have been released as of today, uh, yeah. going in alphabetical order. We have Aiden English, uh, who's been on commentary in 205 Live, you know, formerly of uh, hanging out with uh, the Vaude Villains and uh, Rusev and, and Lana. Nothing? No thoughts? Dang. I mean, it sucks. No, I mean, it's he's a good commentator, I think, and he was great with Rusev, but more on that later. Andrea Listenberger, one of the few uh, writers, actually, uh, that we know of that seemed to get cut. She was a writer on SmackDown who, uh, unfortunately, wrote the Otis and Mandy stuff. I Not gonna, not holding that against her. Hey. She she still doesn't deserve to lose her job. But no, for sure. Yeah. That got over huge. Come on. I mean... I mean, I'm, Owen's not wrong. Unlike not the, wrong. Unlike the Lana Lashley thing, at least someone got over from that story. Mm-hmm. He's not wrong. It's true. Yeah, talks about polishing turds and what have you. Indeed. We also, uh, today, the release, the the clones, Primo and Epico, who were assigned to SmackDown, apparently. Apparently. Yeah, that was, like, a long time coming, unfortunately. Yeah, when's the last time they've even been on? I mean, the last that we even heard of Epico was when he uh, failed the wellness policy uh, because he didn't want to fly to the mainland U.S. to take a piss test. I... Correct me if and I'm wrong. let him take it in Puerto Rico. Correct me if I'm wrong. Were the Colognes not on the roster? Is like were they was one, wasn't one of the reasons they were on there because of some deal they had with Carlos Colon's promotion in Puerto Rico? Maybe, probably. Like basically, I don't know. basically because of Carlos Colon's stranglehold on the Puerto Rican market, WWE was able to do house shows in Puerto Rico thanks to some deal and as a result that's why the colognes were still employed it would make sense this is the this is the theory I had heard regardless the colognes are no longer with the company nor is uh Kurt Hawkins the star maker himself but you know again I'm actually I get why but also I feel like he was a good hand to have around. No, he was. He was good. He was definitely a good player coach. And, like, you know, he definitely, like, he knows what he's doing. He runs, he, you know, co-owns and runs uh, Creative Pro in Long Island. Like, the, the wrestling gym and fucking, like, little indie company that gave us people like fucking MJF. Yeah, I mean, stay tuned to every one of these names you start reading off from this point forward, basically, with a couple exceptions. Every one of them are good hands, but... Yeah. Mm-hmm. So then we get to the first one that I found really heartbreaking, which was Two of Five Lives, former GM and just erstwhile weirdo, Drake Maverick. I'm genuinely surprised that they cut Drake Maverick, because un- unless it genuinely is like, this is the death of Two of Five Life. I mean, I think Two of Five Lives has been on life support for a while, given what some of them have been hinting at. And also, I feel like Drake Maverick's been given a very rough hand and has not been in a good situation for quite some time now. If anything, I was more surprised that they cut him, considering that he's in the uh, the, the tournament for the interim cruiserweight championship. But yeah. well, I mean that in, that in and of itself is some bullshit too. Yeah, it yeah. really is. It's incredibly bullshit that like they had him be in this tournament and they're they're cutting him like. 
immediately, basically without any warning, without any notice. And mm-hmm. did y'all watch that? Did y'all watch that video? Uh, sure did. That he posted on yep. his Twitter. Yep. He is very broken up about this all, and he it is absolutely heartbreaking. Yep. So before we just get into uh, some other names, um, just going back to the five hundred million dollars. I'm going to mention this because I think Trace might be able to make something about this. Okay. It's been it's been mentioned that they do not have 5 million in the bank. That figure includes debt capacity. Yeah, I mean that's totally a part of any business. It's the, when you come and, down to dire straits, what can you liquidate very quickly and easily? And if they say on hand, they mean stuff that they can move very quickly to make into real money. So it, it's not long-term assets. It's not hard-to-sell assets that would take them, like, having to go through special processes like brand-specific things or, you know, mm-hmm. talent or stuff that is unique to WWE that you can't just give to another company. Like, probably, in the end, it kind of comes down to, like, debts and things like that. Or I'd have to know exactly what they have on their books that they consider that, but... It's generally stuff that you can go like right out there today, and they could liquidate if they needed to. This stuff to have it be money on hand. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Thanks for that clarification, Trace. Yeah, no problem. Anyway, <clears throat> also making the also getting cut today. We had uh, EC3, uh, who's on Raw, apparently. As much Again, as we've seen him yeah. forever. As much as there's a part of me that wanted to joke about like. Oh man, I was hoping EC3 was going to become the modern day JTG. Like, yeah, the, this fucking sucks. Yeah, yeah. Like, he never it, got a good shake. It, it's absolutely true. Like, he just got completely ruined by like a lot of extenuating circumstances. That like, gimmick didn't help either. No, the gimmick, the gimmick was good. didn't help. Nah. The song was great. The problem here's the thing about the gimmick. The gimmick is good, but like the gimmick doesn't really work without any explanation that they weren't really willing to give because then they would have had to write a whole other new story for him instead of just basically doing what they did on NXT, which was playing on, "Oh, you know who he is. You know what what he did and what he's about. We we're just not going to say Carter." Right, and the investment you have to do to make that actually work without, you know, to actually bring that into any sort of light requires investment that, obviously, we know now they're not willing to take. Yeah, it was definitely investment that, like, they they couldn't do in NXT for a variety of reasons, not the least of which being, you know, he got concussed in that Velveteen Dream match that he had on, at the TakeOver, mm-hmm. which kind of fucked up his push. Yep. But, like, then he immediately gets call, called to Raw, where Vince McMahon is definitely not going to do that work which is a shame because he feels like someone that was tailor-made for vince he really does that's the thing is like he's got a great look he's you know he he's great on the mic like in the ring he's fine but that's like never really mattered for wwe main roster. exactly exactly like that's not the point in wwe i feel like it all he almost would have had a better shake if they had just been like yeah, Derek Bateman is back. Yeah, I agree. Actually, he had more. He had more rapport around WWE being the wacky guy that was around Daniel Bryan that one time. Or hell, give him the same character, just don't have the Carter name, and just be like, "Yeah, it's Derek Bateman the third. DB three. 
and he comes from this long, illustrious Bateman family. You don't have to know who they are. It's wrestling. It doesn't matter. DB2, he's the second Daniel Bryan. No, that's Drew Gulak. Uh, that's DG. Excuse me, the initials are totally different. I don't know why you'd say that. I will say, like, you know, as, as mm-hmm. much as it's it's not... Yeah. As much as I don't ever want to say that, like, anyone should be fucking losing their job in this fucking situation because, like, this is fucking horrible and everybody should be, like, fucking being protected and, like, nobody should be getting released here. Like, if nothing else, I will say that, like, for his career and the trajectory that EC3's career was on in this company and what this company clearly showed their interest level in pushing him as a star and as a person was, which was basically nothing, I mm-hmm. am... I do think that, like, if anyone has an opportunity to go out there and, like, actually be the character that they were supposed to be and prove that, like, no, this is why you were fucked up to, like, you know, not give me a chance here, it is him. Like, it feels like a weird thing to say, but, like, I am kind of genuinely excited to see both him and Rockstar Spud back on the Island of Misfit Toys. There are a couple people on this, they're like, there's a few people on this list that I'm like, they will kill it in AEW if they pick it up, or they'd be great going back to Impact or back to Japan. I'm going to kind of beg to differ on the AEW part. I don't think anybody save for one person who I'll call it later will actually end up in AEW. I, the, I, yeah, I no, I agree. I think, I think there's only... I could see two people winding up there. But I think that's a bigger issue here that is worth bringing up as we go kind of name by name here. It's like... A lot of these people aren't going to have good places to land. A couple might get back to TNA. Or Impact, I'm sorry. A couple might go to someplace like ROH if they're lucky. A couple might go to New Japan. I think we know which ones when we get to them. And mm-hmm. uh, otherwise, maybe one or two picked by ABW. The rest don't have anywhere to go. Yeah, and and that's kind of the you know the little bit of the point I was trying to get at with EC three is like while yeah. I I am really excited and I do think that like he and he and Maverick could be really good back on on Impact and actually I do think that they could make a difference for that show mm-hmm. and like do some really good work there like the fact that they're in that position and th- that they could hypothetically do that and be main eventers there again and be that big fish in the small pond that they've been really good at like. That's a serious privilege that these two have. Yes. The thing and is, like, I don't see them going back to Impact. I probably see them winding up in NWA. Maybe. I mean, but it doesn't. It's still like so many limited spots for anything. Course, That's a real exactly. Point. It's too many limited, and like it's not even worth making that prediction of like where they're going to end up or where anyone's going to end up because it's like it's too early to say that because like we don't know how long this is going to be. We don't know if any of these companies are even going to continue to exist. Yeah. NWA yeah. might go kind of under back to like what we were talking about ages ago to just being a belt and all this. I mean, fuck who knows? Like who knows if impact, how impact and ring of honor are really going to get out of this. Yeah, exactly. So it's like they're falling into some really dangerous waters at the worst possible time. Yeah. But yeah. what, Let's continue with with the list here, not to get too off topic here. We also saw the cut Eric Young and Eric Rowan. Mm -hmm. You know, Eric Young hadn't really been doing much of anything. You know, he he got brought to Raw during the, you know, the Superstar Shakeup during the draft. Mm -hmm. Uh, But he'd only really been on television like once or twice, I think. And usually just appeared as kind of like one of the also-rans in uh, the 24-7 championship stuff. Eric Young was Sanity, and when Sanity fell, he was gone. Yep, basically. And Eric Rowan, I mean, 
he was in prominent storyline stuff recently, but I mean, you know, it does also feel like the writing was on the wall the second mm-hmm. that they murder death killed his his what's in the box angle. John, yeah, did they did they release the spider? I mean, as you know, Owen. Drew McIntyre released the spider from its, this mortal coil when he smashed it with the ring steps. I mean, that happened to other people on this list as well. I said that it wasn't by McIntyre; it was by uh, you know some dead cowboy guy. True. So, yeah, I mean, the spider is either dead or on the loose. We don't know which, but either way, look out. Owen, mm-hmm. Heath Slater has kids, and WWE doesn't give a fuck. Clearly, well, this is good for him. You know why? What happened to the other members of 3MB? They got released. They went to the independents. They bulked up. They came back. They become WWE champion. It could happen. If this ends in Heath Slater being WWE champion, then this will all be worth it, but... Oh, yeah. I mean, did you expect you to Mahal to? Something tells me that, as Trace was mentioning, Heath Slater is one of those people that's just going to fall the wayside here he's probably done with wrestling at this point i don't see anywhere he goes unless he's very lucky and kenny takes a shine to him from their old tag team and ovw wherever it was heath is actually one of the names that i could see popping up because i feel like he would be a solid agent maybe but again the guy it's like... understands how to get stuff over like few people do just but saying. it would be a case where he can't be expected to wrestle again, and that's the sad thing here is it's like he never had a solid wrestling career other than a couple good underdog stories. He was, but I, I, I don't think I, I don't think it's fair to say he never had a good wrestling career. He had some of the most memorable comedy moments. You know, he was the guy that was trusted enough to work with all the retired legends at Raw One Thousand and Flow Rider. You know, I think that he is he is a a good example of, you know, the thing, the you know, the one statement that, like, we have the video evidence of him cheering, uh, standing and, and cheering for when uh, Stan Hansen was giving his uh, Hall of Fame speech. He is the consummate carpenter. He is he isn't he's there to, to make the other person look good and he doesn't mm-hmm. ever put the shine on himself. And he's someone that is really good at that. Like, I definitely agree that, like, Heath Slater is very underrated in how good of a jobber he is and how fun and entertaining and enjoyable he is. And, yeah, like, his moments of, like, really being great are are fleeting. I'll give you that. Yeah. But, like, those few moments that they have given Slater of looking real good have always been really fun. And just, like, the, the weird, like... The weird way that they've been able to to pair him with just, like, a bunch of different people and make it work. Between, like, the 3MB stuff, the Nexus, fucking, like, Slater Gator of all things. Slater and Rhino. Like, one of the most memorable things of that early run of SmackDown Live. I could see him going to Impact and joining up with Rhino again. They could do that. So, I also think one other thing is worth mentioning about Slater being gone. Officially now, every single member of the Nexus from SummerSlam is gone. Wow. Shit. The only other original Nexus member left in the company is Daniel Bryan, and he was there for like a day. True. 
Yep, it's, it's uh, true. He, he did some things to Justin Roberts that we can't talk about. Yep. And the I th- believe the only other Nexus mem the only other member of any form of the Nexus left is Bray Wyatt. Well, I'll be damned. But anyway, mm-hmm. uh, Kurt Angle also got cut. You know, obviously Kurt Angle had retired uh, mm-hmm. at last year's WrestleMania, but he had been working backstage as an agent and mm-hmm. a pr- in a production role. Uh, but he was just straight up released. No, you know, not furloughed, not anything. Just he he is gone. That sucks after he's had such a big moment at WrestleMania this year. Don't you remember? Oh. The Firefly Funhouse? <laughs> Alright, that's, that's pretty good. I'll give you that one. I mean, I, again, not to speculate on what's going to happen, but also I feel like he's probably just going to get signed back to a Legends deal. Maybe. Yeah, I assume so. It's basically a furlough, but we didn't need you as an agent, so we're just going to take you out and eventually get a Legends contract when we... Have targets that we can hit normally because we're greedy motherfuckers. Basically. So the next one is actually one that that I think is really interesting because it's it's Leo Rush. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, obviously Leo Rush uh, was on the two hundred five live roster. He had been uh, NXT Cruiserweight champ, the first NXT Cruiserweight champion when they relaunched the belt. Um, hadn't really been used all that much in a couple uh, in a couple months, but. Well, one thing was that he did say was when this had, when this all started happening, he pretty publicly came out and said that he wasn't going to work while this was all going on, like that he did not feel comfortable like going out and and doing matches while there's this pandemic happening, like he didn't feel comfortable you know potentially exposing himself to that and then potentially exposing his kids to that. you mean he's sane, yes. I do wonder if there is a possibility that he could maybe sue them for retaliation. I doubt they're going to make that work, just off the top of my head. just Retaliation is extremely hard to prove, and when you lump them in with this many people, it's very easy to just obfuscate it and say, well, we needed to cut costs and we weren't doing anything with him anyways. Which, and yeah, WWE you can... can also just come back and say, he had attitude problems. Yeah, that's the thing that happens a lot of times is, yeah, it probably is retaliation, but proving it in a court of law and with lawyer costs and stuff like that, WWE would run him dry before he got a cent out of them. So Leo Leo Rush, though, he's one of the three names on here that I think would be a great hand in AEW. I disagree vehemently. I think he'd be a terrible addition. I think he'd cause drama, and oh, I don't have problems with him personally. I just... I've never heard any situation where I think he'd be a good fit there. So I think he's going to unfortunately turn into one of these people who falls through the indies a little bit. Or, you know, actually, given everything we said, he's probably going on to the island of misfit wrestlers. Yeah, I mean, did he? I, I don't remember. Did, he did burn his bridges with, uh, with Ring of Honor, right? Uh, yeah, he sure did. I feel did. like Ring of Honor, though, is kind of... I don't think you can really burn a bridge with the state they're in right now. I think they'll take anybody. We'll see. I mean, it's still a St. Clair joint, so they can they can be pithy about some stuff probably still, but 
again, I, I, I know he has apparently some attitude issues. I just think he would be a good fit for that AEW roster. And as someone I would not be upset to see there. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be totally upset. I just don't think it's a good idea. Yeah. Moving on, though, we also had uh, the loss of Maria and Mike Kanellis. Maria Kanellis, of course, uh, is currently on maternity leave. Uh, she and Mike just had their second child. Mike had been working on Raw with Maria on this horrible, weird, like, cuck angle that they did. The the precursor to the Lana, uh, Rusev, Bobby Lashley story of fucking... Paul Heyman putting his his Pornhub search on television. As you do. Since after that embarrassment, they they sent him back to 205 Live where he had been working uh, as, as some gimmick. I, I think he was working as a heater for someone. I mean, let's be real about the Canalises. Ever since like that first appearance when they came back, they haven't done shit that's worthwhile. Pretty much, yeah. I, I feel mean, like... Yeah. I feel, though, like there is possibly a case to, if Maria Kanellis wants to pursue it, a case she would have of being fired while on mat leave. I think that's the most fucked up thing about this part, especially, is that it's it's kind of almost a little bit towards that WCW angle, firing people while they're injured. In this case, maternity leave, kind of still a modern day fucked up. Very fucked up, I'd say. Yeah, exactly. But, yeah, we'll, we'll see how that goes. Uh, and then, to me, what was actually, like, not entirely surprising, but the strangest and really shittiest release of all No, today. this was genuinely surprising to me. I guess it wasn't surprising to me because I remember, like, a few years ago when they just, like, randomly released their fucking, like, timekeeper of 30, 35 years, and it just didn't make any sense. Uh, but, yeah, and... This is the one person who I definitely think AEW would probably, of all the people here, pick up. Mm-hmm. Is they released longtime, uh, thirty-year referee Mike Kyoto, which he probably was commanding too large a pay scale compared to every other ref there. Um, probably, yeah, yeah. I'm probably I mean, short of like Little Nate. Yeah, I bet Little Nate probably delivered under his because he came from WCW. But yeah, he's a great ref. He fit in great with AEW, um, and he's just probably got cut because somebody looked at the books and said wait this guy's pays way too high which again recurring theme this is extremely fucked up i i will say i see this is one of those ones that i don't see going over because i don't know what use AEW would have for a mike Kiyota, unfortunately they don't when have they many... already mm-hmm. they already have an earl hebner i earl... think that it's mm-hmm. very clear from the matches that they had earl do that like that was a fun gimmick and it was a really nice thing, but Earl is too old to really be doing this, even for yeah. the even for the specialty pay-per-view matches. Like, yeah, I think that yeah. Mike Kyoto fits that role perfectly and is someone that you can actually have there. And also potentially have them in, like, a backstage role as, like, you know, you could have them be, like, the head of the referees and, like, helping to train referees. Well, Beyond that's that, what I thought Earl Hebner was there for. He might be advising and stuff like that, but beyond that, they've been using a lot of referees every now and then that are clearly not full-time with them that Kyoto could definitely fit in there as you know the final full-time ref they need. Just just move Earl Hebner, I guess, to uh, being head of merch. 
do we have to damn it do we have to dignify that do i have to get the goddamn timer uh no way jose no way jose was indeed cut no Uh, way he also posted a a twitter video i didn't see this one I, i didn't watch this one it was it was very sweet nice he was very thankful to everyone Again, he's one of those guys that, like, as much as I never really got No Way Jose, it's like, this is not the right time to get rid of someone. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Like, say what you will about his gimmick, and definitely it was like, it was a dead-end gimmick that, like, it was fun on, on NXT, like, it worked on NXT where the crowd is, like, much more forgiving, like, it was never going to be a thing that would really go well on the main roster no they needed Again, to build this, up so much more this feels like he maybe of everyone on here feels like he has unfortunately the least the the smallest path to do anything yeah i would agree like it, it's a it's basically a eugene type gimmick except even worse in terms of like it's so generic when you put it on indies like He's going to be probably working indies. Maybe he'll just go back to another job after this because it's that kind of situation. Yeah, like he needs to completely reinvent himself. Yeah, and I don't think that I don't think that it's not possible for him. Like I don't think that this is like a weird like death sentence gimmick in the way that Eugene was. It's right. just he's really gonna need to like make a radical change. Like we're gonna need to see like you know basically Camacho to Tongaloa. Let's yeah, say exactly that sort of thing. It's a case where I just, I that very rarely ever happens. And then we get to another one of the really surprising cuts. Although, again, like in the same way, Mike Kyoto, maybe not that surprising when you consider the fact that they just signed them to like a really lucrative deal. Apparently, mm-hmm. uh, the OC of uh, Luke Gallows and Carl Anderson, they I, are gone. I mean, they're dead, so. I guess it makes sense that, yeah, Undertaker just, like, killed them legit during the Boneyard match, and now they're gone. I uh, I definitely think that they're the most ideal candidates that once wrestling gets back into uh, circulation in New Japan, they'll go right back to bolster a bullet club. I think that makes the most sense for them. I think they'd be the most welcome back there. They'd actually give it some credibility it hasn't had for a while. Yeah, potentially. Long last, Jay White can build his army. I mean, look, they would give him... You have Gallows and Anderson standing around Jay White. He becomes credible. Yeah. Oh, I, I agree. Like, I'm sorry, but like, Gato and Jado are not going to be people that are credible around him because they're just... They're too small. They're too sneaky. Gallows and Anderson are imposing figures. So, And also, yeah. fuck Jado. He doesn't play the goddamn air horn anymore. No, he doesn't. That's also part of it. But yeah, I mean, and I f- they're also. I feel like that's kind of the thing, though, that the Gorillas of Destiny had been doing for Jay White, right? But also, they have their own tag team gimmick, and you can have Gallows and Anderson be the secondary tag team if they've got the titles, and you put the Gorillas of Destiny behind Jay White. It's good making sure Bullet Club gets their pulse and everything, which let's be real, they haven't had for a while. So, yeah. if they want to try and reinvigorate that whole faction after the loss of the Elite. That's so ideal. So I think they're going to be the ones, honestly, of this whole list, I think are going to have the best potential to land on their feet wherever they go. 
Or hell, I'm now, gonna say something that will upset you, Trace, but it'll, it'll make me happy. Mm-hmm. You know what you could do with Gallows and Anderson? What's that? You make them the two heavies, the two heaters for a certain other Bullet Club member. Suddenly, you've made Kenta real fucking dangerous. Fuck you. Now, it's a good idea, but fuck you. (laughs) I know know we're talking about... I know you're saying that they were going to go, possibly going back to Japan, but if I recall correctly, was one of Gallows' reasons for not staying... Because wasn't there a whole reason for re-signing with WWE being like, we, all our families are in America now, we're, you know, we're kind of settling down here? I mean, yeah, if you have that rationale to continue to be in America, that's a great way to, you know, that's a great rationale. But when the Americas dry up, you know. Yeah, yeah. So when suddenly you don't have that option because... Yeah. I mean, I think you're completely right. I think that was the reason why they wouldn't go back initially. And I completely believe that. But now I think, because especially given Japan looks like they're starting to look into how they spin back up the wrestling business, um, this well, may be I mean, a opportunity. Well, I mean... I mean, I know this isn't really the podcast for it, but I know Tanahashi was saying it's like he was pleading the government to say wrestling should be the last thing to come back. Yes, and that's yeah, probably and the case. But I think that's and we'll get, we'll come back to this. Yeah, it, that's a whole political thing that they talked about this morning as well, among other things that we don't need to mention. But they're they're planning stuff, and they're yeah. We'll, there's actually a topic yeah. later on we might actually find pertinent to this whole thing. No, I, I definitely. I definitely feel like we're going to come back to this. Uh, but the, the, reason on... I, the reason I say this is because mm-hmm. my dark horse place I could see them winding up is if Marty Skrull is really serious about rebuilding that New Japan connection, mm-hmm. what better bridge to be than like, well, here's your two-way, here's how we can have American Bullet Club presence yeah. again. Yeah, I'm, but again, yeah. like, we shouldn't be speculating on where anybody's going to go because, like, you know, as as interesting as it is to think, like, you know, I guess they, they would do really well in Japan and all that stuff. Like, who who the again, who the fuck even knows what companies are even going to be around when this all shakes out? Right. More of my point is that they just they have the the least to fall, I think, off of. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. I think but, they'll be fine so, no matter what. Someone who I also think doesn't have very far to fall, but I do think that they could definitely slip through the cracks here. Mm-hmm. Y'all, let's pour one out. I can't believe they fired him on Rusev Day. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there's Rusev. a worse person that got released today, of all days. We'll get to it. Okay. Good. I'm a little confused, but yeah, Rusev Day is... Uh, and Rusev, by extension, I think has a great upside. I just, yeah, I'm a little worried that given how they left WWE and it was basically a case of, um, you know, contract negotiations that had been going on and going on and going on. And he was a natural to cut, but I hope it doesn't happen elsewhere because he's a good dude. He's a very good wrestler, very good talker. Like he's one of the three that I could definitely see make being a big deal in AEW. Not to oh. again go on speculation. But yeah, yeah, I mean like, that's a, that's the same deal though. It's like he has very short distance to fall. He could be very easily picked up by AEW or something like that. So he's one of the few that it's like this is not surprising. Um, it sucks amongst the whole group, but yeah, this was inevitable. Trace, one that is really surprising to me though. Oh, sorry, you were saying Owen? Yeah, Trace, hear me out though. 
Yes. Rusev versus Tomohiro Ishii. I mean, I'd be down for it. Dead serious. If he went to Japan and decided to go there, that'd be great. But I want to yeah, see I... him some hoss fights in Japan. Yeah, and there's a lot of ways that could happen. And, like, again, I don't know how this all settles out that gets in there, but there's a few options there. I definitely agree. He would probably be someone that would do really well in Japan. Yeah. But again, this, this is just all to say that he has tremendous upside. So yes. he'll probably be fine if he can just negotiate contracts and hopefully there doesn't become a recurring issue that leads to him basically being blackballed from everywhere. Yeah. One just one just hopes, I feel like, with Rusev that, mm-hmm. like, for someone that has all these upsides, considering that, like, this is with a glut of all of these other people getting released and being thrown out into the wild, basically, that, like, one hopes that Rusev doesn't get lost in the shuffle yes just by virtue of like hey he's we all know he's great he's really talented but like it's not like he ever really got a platform to shine in wwe this is true look it's the same thing of like yo if luke harper got released as part of this big glut of people i would feel less optimistic about his prospects i would too yeah it's fair one person that I am really surprised that they released, though, is Sarah Logan, which is not to say that Sarah Logan was doing much on Raw or anything. Like, you know, she was definitely, like, her place was kind of to be sometimes jobber and also, like, the also ran in the the Ruby Riot Liv Morgan story. But it is surprising to me that they would, you know, fire the wife of one of the members of the War Raiders, especially when they're, you know... They're keeping the War Raiders around because they're seemingly building up the War Raiders to be the first uh, challengers of the street, the next challengers of the street profits. Yeah, I think it's I, weird that she's the only female competitor to be released. Not counting yeah. Maria. Well, she wasn't really. She was more of a. Yeah, she was uh, more ballet. I know what you mean, but yeah. just yeah to clarify that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's I strange. just. It's she wasn't a very good wrestler as far as I'm concerned. Dang. Um, she really wasn't. She was very well known for botching, for not being very good on the mic for a while, um, just screaming utter gibberish in a way that wasn't even entertaining. Um, she's the one I feel will probably... This is probably going to hurt her severely. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like Before she signed, like I had seen a little bit of her stuff that she did on the indies as Crazy Mary Dobson. Uh, mm-hmm. And she seemed okay. Like, she seemed like she was pretty good and interesting and all that stuff she's doing. I do feel like, you know, partially it was like this, she didn't really have much of a gimmick in in, NX, in WWE. It was kind of like she was a weird, like, feral wild woman who then just kind of became a Viking by proxy of her real life husband. Yep. Like, she didn't have much going for her, and I feel like she didn't really, like, grow into anything. Like, I'd mm-hmm. like to see what she could do, like, actually having a character that's her own. Yep. But, but... like you said, it, it might be one of those things where it's like, because she didn't really do much of anything, she might just get lost in the shuffle very easily. And... Yeah, absolutely. And it's, again, just... A lot of these kind of come off as, like, future endeavors that you would normally see during a season, but it's in such a tremendous swarm that it's going to hurt people like her way more with this whole field going out into uh, an economy that just doesn't isn't operating right now so yep and finally someone who honestly i think probably is just going to quit wrestling now Mm -hmm. pour one out 
for Long Island Ice Z, Zack Ryder. So I, I, I will, and I know we're we're not really we're not really doing the speculation, but Cody did post a gif of Zack Ryder after he got released. Yeah, that's as true. Say. Cody the and Zack Ryder are very good friends. dream is dead, though. Mm-hmm. Zack Ryder has stated time and time again the only thing he's ever really cared about is working for WWE. I do but, genuinely wonder if he actually cares about wrestling. I do want to. I do want to say, just as like a, a eulogy on Zack Ryder. I think he is a dark horse Hall of Famer. In the sense of he truly revolutionized the way social media was done for the industry. From an actual Hall of Fame perspective, I totally agree. From a Vince McMahon's Hall of Fame perspective, I think he's going to be stupid about this. If I could, I will say Vince McMahon rewards loyalty. And I think Zack Ryder was incredibly loyal. And... You know, I I don't know. I could see him. I feel like if Coco Beware, I think you could say that about anybody going to Hall of Fame. If Coco Beware could go in, so could anybody that else. That is such a low bar. I know. No, I, I, I don't I, even I mean, mean that as a but... slam on Coco Beware. But oh, no, I feel I, like I know that. I'm just. It's like you know. It's like if Coco Beware could get in for what he did, then the possibilities are endless for who could get in. And I yes, feel like Zach Ryder. Zack Ryder, I feel like he has enough career highlights that he would not be an unwelcome Hall of Famer. He'd be totally welcome, um, for sure. Like like you said, he revolutionized the way social media worked and made WWE kind of change the way they handled a lot of that stuff. But do you Um, think they'll acknowledge that? um, Yeah, that's the thing. If Vince wants to acknowledge that or take credit for it, we'll find out. Now that he's gone... They'll acknowledge it. Wow. As long as he doesn't show up anywhere else. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like, if he shows up in AEW, then he never did any of that. Well, of course. But, like, I'm going to just throw it out there. I think he is, of all the people on this list, the one that I could see most winding up there. I feel like he and Cody were close. And also... You know that they would probably want him for BTE. Yeah, I can I can see it totally. Um, I don't think it'll happen because I think it's kind of the same. I'm kind of in line with John here. I think he's going to just kindly fuck off out of wrestling and collect action figures. But, yeah. Um, he show, have... show up for sign autograph signings. Mm-hmm. Gee, I feel like of all the people on this list, he's the most the one most likely to Virgil. Yeah, oh. shit. Yeah, that's... I completely agree now that you've said that. Damn it. Oh, boy. So, in addition to these cuts that were confirmed by WWE on their website earlier, we also had some people that have uh, come out, mostly uh, NXT talent, that mm-hmm. has come out and uh, also confirmed that they have been cut. Uh, that includes Alexander Jaksik, who uh, has worked the, the Florida circuit mostly. He was German <laughs> signee. Uh, he didn't really, he's never been on television. He only worked Florida is my, my understanding. Uh, we also had Deanna Perazzo. That was upsetting. Yeah. Yeah. Someone that I know you really like, Dylan. Yeah. She's really talented. She's, she's extremely talented. She'll, 
again, she's probably someone who will land somewhere else, but this is a fucked up time to do that because she hasn't had a good showing in NXT. No, like basically the only most use, like, you know, she got to be in the Mae Young Classic, mm-hmm. obviously, but like most of her use uh, has been to basically be a fancy jobber with her virtuoso mm-hmm. gimmick. Yeah, she yep. was on Raw. She got squashed by Nia Jax. Yeah, it's true. She also got squashed by uh, by Asuka like a few months ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it, it's a real bad time for this happen to her, especially, and it breaks my heart. Yep. Although she she had tweeted out basically something that had suggested that like maybe she had been wanting to leave for a while. Oh, I bet she did, but you know, like certain paycheck versus you know, yeah, the scary world out we, there. Yeah, like like we've said for many of these people. It is a very bittersweet thing because while for some people it is like, you know, like Deanna Perrazzo, like she said, she seemed to confirm today that she is one of those people that kind of wasn't happy in NXT and wanted to maybe get out of her contract. This is not the time that anybody was wanting to be not having to look for a job, especially in an industry predicated on the fact of needing to be performed in front of people or needing to be performed with other people. During yeah. the middle of a pandemic where you maybe shouldn't be around other people so mm-hmm. much. Yep. We also had uh, MJ Jenkins, uh, a lady signee with NXT, who I... Do you know anything about her, Owen? Nope. I do. She was a first-rounder in the Mae Young Classic, the last tournament. Um, she had kind of just been in the PC beyond that. Um, given her tweet that she put out about this, her career is most likely over at this point. She has realized that she's not going to get the call-up, she's not going to get the chance, and she's going to go back to something else. That sucks. Yes, it does. Basically, you just said, I went for my dream and I missed. Yeah, that is really sad. Mm -hmm. And finally, we had uh, Josiah Williams, who, not a wrestler, but uh, he is basically someone that worked on their uh, NXT's and the Performance Center's digital team. Uh, For those who don't know, he is... If you remember the, the Adam Cole entrance, uh, I don't remember which show it was, where basically he had the rapper doing stuff with him. That That's Josiah Williams. Yep. He is, uh, he is a, you know, clean Christian rapper who uh, does a bunch of wrestling rap stuff. Uh, I think it's, he is a thing is Wrestle and Flow. Yeah, Wrestle and Flow. He, that's how he got to fame, basically. He started putting out just random raps about different wrestlers for like one or two minutes um, raps and kind of made his whole career based off that. Yeah, like, and he's he's definitely someone that seems like he's going to be fine. Like, oh, he, he'll be you know, totally fine. He's yeah, a YouTuber. Like he, he's put himself out there as being like, hey, look, you know, I'm taking booking for voiceover work and all this stuff. And like, mm-hmm. also, like, he's he's clearly got some connections because he also did Sean Spears' AEW theme. Yep. If you like that theme, then uh, he can certainly sell you another one. I actually do kind of like that theme. Admit I, I've it's grown on me. I actually it has like it grown now. On me too. And Owen, you've added uh, one last person here. Yep. Yep, it's uh, Jerry Soto. He's on the Smash commentary team. He tweeted oh, out earlier that yep. he's been working with, for WWE for nine years, but he was fur- furloughed today. Well, that's interesting, though, that he's furloughed. Yeah. Like, that's definitely, you know, obviously that's no guarantee that they're actually going to bring him back. But that's that's better that they are keeping in mind of like, hey, we're not going to pay you, but we're not going to get rid of your position. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, for many people on here, like, for basically all the wrestlers on this list, like, their position is gone. And there's probably, it's very unlikely that I feel like any of the people 
that we have named today are going to be signed back. And yeah. the other, you know, the other news that we have is that, like, the talk out of this is that, like, so, you know, we have named a couple NXT names here, uh, but the talk is that more NXT cuts are coming, uh, and anyone that's cut from NXT, they're going to get 30 days to pay, and then they're also just going to be able to sign wherever they want, which, hey, thanks a lot. That's really helpful right now where nobody's performing anything. Yeah, that's almost like a slap to the face in this condition. But cool, thanks for that. But, you know, hey, at least they're getting 30 days of pay, I guess. But the other talk, which is even more fucked up, is that they were waiting until after tonight's episode of NXT to announce who's not going to have a position anymore. Mm. Yep. What a great company. Yeah, I mean, it's just they wanted to try and keep that out of the frame of mind. I bet tomorrow morning we hear more names if that is true. I think so. I mean, I, I wouldn't be surprised if we start hearing more names even, you know, tonight. But yeah. before that, we also have to talk about the fact that there were also nine producers, uh, you know, backstage uh, agents and all these people, you know, it's the people now, that put together the matches. It's now gone up to 10. I should know to oh and add another one that we found out about. Oh, jeez. Oh, no, I see that. And I don't like yeah, that. I don't like it either. This, this um, is all terrible. 100%. This is infuriating. All yeah. of this. And again, just like Jerry Soto. These people have not been fired. Like, their right. positions still exist. It's just they are not getting paid. And, you know, hey, if they have to go and find another job because of this, then so be it, I guess. And, uh, I mean, that's also a chance that, hey, maybe they won't bring them back. Who knows? Mm-hmm. That's what furloughing is. It's a chance you might come back. So, you know, but, yeah. Mm-hmm. So the 10 employees that have been furloughed are Billy Kidman. You know, what What do we got to say about Billy Kidman? He's the goddamn legend. Yep. Genius. Dave Finlay, also known as Fit Finlay. Again, what do we have to say about Fit mm-hmm. Finlay? The, the greatest innovator right now of women's wrestling, believe it or not. Yeah. He's been incredibly instrumental in making that the, the WWE's women's stuff just as good as it could be. Like, he yeah. has been such a good hand in that. And... Mm-hmm. Like if they if they let him slip through their fingertips with this, they have severely fucked up. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Perhaps the most fucked up though on on this list is yeah. Lance Storm. This makes me furious. He closed so, down his wrestling school. He is one of the biggest names in getting top tier wrestlers out into the world these days because of his wrestling school. It's one of the most highly regarded ones in the world. He shut down to do this job, and yep, he's furloughed. He, he quit. He, you know, he got hired six months ago. He shut down his wrestling school. He, you know, quit his his stuff that he had with Figure Four. Like he completely committed to this WWE shit, and now they furloughed him. Yep. So I have one other name that looks like no official announcement that they've been cut. However, their profile's been moved to the alumni section on WWE.com. And that's Cassius Ono. Uh oh, that's honestly I mean, not oh surprising. No. Not surprising at all. But <sighs> like again, this has not been announced. He's been cut. Just his profile's been moved to the alumni section. That could be a solid furlough, for all we know. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, it honestly wouldn't surprise me that, like, you know, they don't really need his services as player coach. 
No, he was uh, very much in a bad spot as it was, and yeah. he kind and of like he was mostly doing stuff on NXT UK, which yeah. like well, he was officially listed as part of the NXT UK roster. Yeah, I know he was, but yeah. like it's not like they're really doing NXT UK stuff right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and on top of that, he kind of got swept up in the wave of people they hired in for NXT, though all the top tier indie talent they brought in and New Japan talent. And what seemed like a dramatically good signee suddenly became kind of someone on the side of the road. And then he also gained all that weight. Yeah. Oh, no. And then he came back after they had gotten rid of him. And it was just like, oh, yeah, you're still you still have gained all that weight. And they don't they obviously don't care. And you don't care. So it's fine. And as we said before, just to make sure people understand, yes, you can still be a good wrestler even if you gained weight. But he hadn't changed his style at all. No, like he did not change the way that he carried himself. He was trying to do still all of the stuff he used to do while carrying much more weight on him. And he just wasn't able to do it Mm -hmm. again. That Velveteen Dream match that he had was just a fucking mess. Yes, it was. Yep, I was there. So was I. Yep. But anyway, back to the producers that have been furloughed. Uh, Also really fucked up is a... Father of Bowen Bray Wyatt, uh, Bo Dallas and Bray Wyatt, Mike Rotunda. I can't IRS. believe they released IRS on tax day. That is actually fucking amazing and also terrible. It really is. We also had Pat Buck. Uh, at, long, at long last, someone part of the Trump super PAC has released their taxes. <laughs> God damn you. Damn it. You know, Pat Buck is like a longtime indie wrestler. Also, also owns uh, the Creative Pro Wrestling Gym. Oh, he okay. owns the New Jersey one and is a is a partner in uh, the the Long Island offshoot that Kurt Hawkins runs. Okay. Uh, so yeah, again, he's probably someone that will be okay, considering mm-hmm. that he has his his hand in these other you know businesses. He also yeah, he... owns uh, he also owns another uh, wrestling uh, like an indie fed. I mean, I don't remember it sounds which like, one though. It sounds like he's got a place he can go back to after this all blows over because he didn't sell his damn school. Yeah, exactly. Like Pat Buck, or close uh, it rather. Yeah, like Pat Buck did not do the Landstorm thing. He still has his hands in like two other. Like I said, he has his hands in a wrestling school in New Jersey and a uh, a promotion that he also is the owner and operator of. So, Pat Buck, if he doesn't get if he doesn't come back, he'll probably get to be okay still. Right. We also had Sarah Stock, who is a, uh, a trainer down NXT and a producer down there. Mm-hmm. Scott Armstrong, longtime, longtime WWE referee turned producer. Yep. The one that you added, Owen. Let's hear it. Serena Deb. <sighs> this hurts. This hurts. She's one of the best trainers out there alongside Sarah Del Rey. Um, and yeah. To have her be part of this cut is just terrible for the women's side of things. It is indeed. And then also terrible is Shane Helms, the goddamn hurricane. He should have never answered his phone, he said. He he can hang out with Matt Hardy now. It's true. I guess he can go hang out with Matt Hardy. Well, no, because stay-at-home order. Yeah. Why don't you tell these lies, Owen? Owen, why are you trying to make people get sick? Why are you trying to kill the hurricane, Owen? Stand back. <laughs> Stand back. At least six feet. Because there's a hurricane coming through and he believes in social distancing. 
God damn it. And finally, Sean Devari. Yeah, that's a shame. Who's also working backstage as a producer now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, again, these ten people, they, they've only been furloughed. They... Their positions have not been gotten rid of, but that doesn't necessarily mean they're coming back. Mm-hmm. And so, that's yeah. fucked up. And again, like as as Oscar and other people pointed out, like there are there's a chance that more NXT people are going to be coming. There's you know while there have been some people that were on the SmackDown side of things and the 205 Live side of things, like not a lot of SmackDown people. It was definitely more Raw people, and I do wonder how much of that is a product of just the raw roster is so fucking bloated because it's a bad three hour show that they need to fill three bad hours of. But like you do wonder if there are potentially going to be some more SmackDown cuts after that happens on Friday. Oh, I'm sure this isn't over. Yeah. I have a feeling we have a few more that are going to get cut. I don't even want to speculate because it's already tragic as it is. Yeah. So, and there's no way that we can get around this without talking about like, we, we do need to, talk about some things like the fact that hey now there's basically close to like a little over 20 wrestlers out there that don't have positions and not a lot of companies looking to really fill things up now like what what's going to happen to all these people i mean think about it john this is this is enough people you could take a small independent league and put it together on them yeah absolutely and it's just you can't fit that into another company in, or into several companies neatly. So I think th- what you're going to see, as much as we talk some of them up and some them down, I think you're going to see some of these wrestlers don't go anywhere and they end up having to work eventually when they come back. The convention circuit, the independent circuit at a very minimal price, they're going to be struggling. Yeah. Like, I, I think that there's no way... Like, you know, seeing all the people, like, speculating and talking about things on the internet today, and it's like, I understand that in a lot of ways it's like, I understand that in a lot of ways it's a coping mechanism. It's, yeah. all, like, trying to deal with the fact that this is actually horrifying and terrible, and, mm-hmm. like, how do you make sense of the fact that, like, there's all these people whose livelihood is now completely up in the air right now. Like, I, I just, I see all the people being like, oh, man, I hope AEW signs this person, I hope all of these things, it's like... Every single company is struggling right now. Every single mm-hmm. company is having to make these decisions about, like, okay, we're going to be losing a lot of money while all this is going on. Like, yep. what cuts are we going to make? What things are we not going to do? What decisions are we not going to, you know, what decisions that we thought would be good for this company are we going to have to not make now because we just can't really justify spending that amount of money on it? Mm-hmm. And, like, again, you know, it's, it's kind of why I said it's, like, it's why I said earlier that I think, honestly, that Mike Kyoto is the only person that really would make sense for AEW to sign because, like, he has a utility outside of just being a referee. Like, And he's also he, probably cheaper than wrestlers. Yeah. Like, mm. if you're thinking that a lot of these people are going to be able to get, like, big-time work after all this, especially when they've been commanding, like, good WWE salaries, like... That's going to be a hard th- – I am I think I'm. you're going to be surprised. And, again, especially for, like, people like, you know, hey, we talked to them again, like Gallows and Anderson. Like, I feel like – weren't they – I heard something like they were making combined, like, close to, like, three-quarters of a million dollars a year. Was, was there yeah. a WWE contract? Uh, that would not surprise me, but that's not going to happen anywhere else. Yeah, like, I don't – that they're not going to get that kind of money from, from New Japan if they go back there. No, not at all. 
Hmm. So, yeah, that kind of sucks. And, like, the other thing I kind of wanted to bring up here is, like, keep in mind why this was done. Yes, there is a spring cleaning that usually happens or a fall cleaning, whatever you want to call it, that WB does. But this was done solely for the sake, as we've been, or has been heavily rumored, so I could be wrong on this, but the timing does seem interesting, to say the least. It it seems to be solely to hit a profit projection for their stock prices, basically, for the sake of their stock prices. If they meet a quarterly profit projection despite coronavirus, then the stock won't drop so badly. And if they do want to like sell stock or you know raise funds based on that, then this makes them look real good for hitting those projections, despite the fact they just laid off a whole slew of talent. That's right. And, I mean, let's not forget the timing of this. Like, let's mm-hmm. not forget that we cannot discount the fact that like again and you know think about like think about what they did last week and this is another thing we didn't really talk about because you know it it doesn't really jive with this but last friday wwe released the revival yes dash wilder scott dawson they are no longer with the company excuse me use their right names now cash wheeler (laughs) and dax is it hardwood or harwood Hardwood. Hardwood. I hate that. Why did he do this? It's literally the list. They took two names from a list of space mutiny from MST3K. Well, the thing is, is that Dax was the name of his first pet, and he grew up on Hardwood Avenue. Yeah, again, it sounds just like what you do to go through space mutiny and all that stuff. You know, Beef McCardluge. You know, or what is it? You know, Rod Spencer or something like that. I don't know. But the point of my bringing that up was was to say that, you know, there is definitely speculation here, and I would not put it past the company, that, like, the reason that they made the announcement when they did was, A, putting on a Friday, they were hoping the news would get buried, and also, you know, while there had been all this talk that, like, hey, they're actually trying to hold, uh, I believe it was Dawson, uh, you know, that, like, Wilder's contract was up, but Dawson potentially had more time added on because of injury... Uh, one of the things that they were definitely saying was, you know, that, oh, they just decided to let him go because it would be a good PR move and not have to deal with that. But also, well, AEW just taped, like, everything up until the end of May, so it's not like they can bring them in now and have it be, like, this crazy fucking surprise. Nope. Yeah. It's, like... So I just I guess I'm just trying to say that like not only is this clearly a cost cutting measure to make their stock price look good and you know to maybe like I'm gonna throw it out there maybe save some face a little bit before they have to have their earnings call next week mm-hmm. so that they can like if their earnings call isn't going to be great they can say no but look at the decisions that we've already made to turn things around for this quarter see yep. we're making the hard calls and you might think that hey that sounds really stupid no way are st- uh, people. You know, in the stock market, going to believe that they'll believe it. Trust me, they don't think anything about the people in this, and more. How do we get to the money target? I mean, look, I went through this on a personal level. My company did this to me fucking yesterday, and yeah. it's not a coincidence that their <laughs> earnings call is coming like at the end of the month. Yep, it's a soulless, gutless thing to do. Yeah, it's soulless and gutless. And what I'm trying to say is don't discount the fact that they also strategically did this knowing that, like, no other wrestling company, they don't have to worry about any other wrestling company taking these people on right now. 
Look, yep, they're absolutely. the essential workers, which means in my eyes, they're all heroes. God damn it, Oscar. I, ha- I hate that. I hate, I hate it too! I know you do. I, it's like, I, I'm so angry at that kind of talk. At the end of the day, I think the one thing that we could say about all of this is that David Starr was right, unionize this fucking industry right now. I guess what you could say is that this has been a real look at one of the dark sides of the ring. No, you don't get to make that transition. I just Jesus. David Starr is gone on the record i'm going to completely ignore that attempted transition because holy shit oscar what the hell (laughs) (laughs) but you know i mean david stern's you're not drunk enough for this that was too. look i know smirnoff ice my pal i've had a few of those and uh, unless he took something else but anyways yeah david stern has gone on the record talking repeatedly about this is why there needs to be union so that this isn't just a sudden thing you can kick somebody to the curb in this situation, that there is a safety net because there is not a good safety net for any of these workers. We've established that in our discussions in the past, and this is like the scariest side of it, and there is no protection for any of them. Yeah, because now we have over 20 fucking people that have basically just been thrown out into the fucking wilderness and have nothing because, you know, how are you supposed to how are you supposed to find a fucking job in this economy? Like they yeah. we're just expecting them to have to fucking like live off of unemployment and like, you know, hey, as someone that lived off of unemployment for 6 months, it's not like you get fucking good money there. I barely, you know, with my unemployment, I barely got enough money to pay my rent. Yeah, it's... In Toronto, it's like the the Canadian money is literally not enough to pay the average rent in Toronto. Jesus. So yeah, I think David Starr needs to reach out to some of these wrestlers and start talking up potentially some moves. If And they need to start listening. Like, this is the time to make some moves on unionizing wrestlers. And hopefully they can do it without... Something like Vince McMahon or Tony Khan stamping down on them. Yeah. And, like, that is definitely the scary thing here is that, like, you know, it's going to be very hard because who the fuck can you trust when, like, there are people that have a vested interest in this? And it's like, you know, (laughs) there are people that have a vested interest in stopping this. And it's like, you know, it's not like I'm going to throw it out there. We said it before and I'll say it again. It's not like you can really trust the elite on this. No, you can't. And Tony Khan... Because we haven't talked about AEW, and I know there's been some questions like, is AEW now going to do the same that WWE's done it? Number one, they're privately held, so <clears throat> excuse me, they don't really have as much of a reason to. But you want to talk about like not being able to unionize them. Tony Khan put a statement out earlier talking about how he's so proud of his talent and so and so, almost like a veiled thing about you're all are safe. While at the same time, all his wrestlers coming out to tweet at him in reply and say, thank you, Tony, we love you. Do you think those people are going to want to unionize against his will? I mean, look, again, to use my own personal experience as being part of basically the only company in my industry that let its staff go. I know how my staff, I know how my company's staff are feeling with regards to unionization versus how some of these other companies' staff are feeling. Mm-hmm. Yep. 
you know, at the end of the day, it's if you are a worker, you know, it's the thing that we've said time and time again on the show. If you are a worker, your only bargaining chip is yourself and your abilities. And if you stand alone on all that, like, they can easily break you up. They can easily do exactly what they do, where they pit people against each other and they make it a haves and have-nots thing. Where you have people that are making disparately, like, crazily different amounts of money for not even, you know, not even based on the amount of work they're doing. Like, we have a situation where fucking, you know, again, Braun Strowman, a guy who just won the fucking, his first ever, like, actual, like, top championship title, is making more money than the vast majority of all of the women that they employ, including Becky Lynch. That's fucked up and insane and doesn't make sense. Like, but that's the point, is that when you're a company that, like, completely fucking makes it so it's all about the individual and not about, like, you know, people working together to to make sure that everybody gets what they deserve, you can get away with this. You can get away with the fact where it's like, you know, WWE, where as Every other sports league is paying at least like 30 to 40% of their profits on t- back to the employees in terms of their salary. Like, I believe with basketball, it's something like 50%. With NFL, it's something like 43, 48%. Something Around like that. that. Yeah. WWE is 10. Yep. It's, it's also worth pointing out that an employer is not under an obligation to bargain with a union regarding contract terms for independent contractors. Yep. And it's again, the scam that they can get away with of classifying them as independent contractors. Yep. And that's part of the reason why they do it. And that's part of the reason why we've got a lot of practices in this entire nation that do shit like that. And again, the only way that this can fucking change is if the fucking wrestlers actually come together as a collective unit and stand up like, You know, they don't have to negotiate with a union. It's true. They don't have to do that. But the only way that you can make them is if you don't give them a choice. Mm-hmm. Because if you make it so they don't have a choice, they're going to come around eventually because they're going to have to. It sounds dirty when we say it like that, but honestly, yeah, because you you have to kind of force this situation that we're all working together, whether we like it or not, which is kind of the whole thing about wrestling anyways. It's people working together, whether they like it or not, and being safer on one another. Yep. This is just an extension of that. But, yeah. I'll extend something Ruth Ambassador said in chat and said, this entire nation right now is some carny business. It sure is, Ruth Bastard. <sighs> it sure fucking is. But, hey, uh... More on this as it develops, I suppose. It, there's going to be more on this, I'm afraid. I'm scared to say. Yeah, well... It, there's a real dark side to this entire country. Uh, Owen, <laughs> Owen, please don't look at me like that. I guess you could say this, this really showed off one of the dark <laughs> sides of the ring. I guess you could say from all of this that Vince McMahon likes to cover up murders. 
I've not seen this episode. I want to know everything. Dark Side of the Ring this week. <laughs> let's let's quickly talk about now that we've you know talked for almost an hour and a half about horrible shit. Let's talk about some some great things like uh, this week's Dark Side of the Ring, where they covered uh, Jimmy Snuka and his allegedly maybe murdering his girlfriend Nancy Argento, and the fact that Vince McMahon maybe allegedly paid off the Allentown PA cops to uh, make it go away and also tried to pay off Nancy's family. So, I don't think allegedly tried to pay off Nancy's family. (laughs) I think that was pretty well confirmed. I mean, yes, we heard it from the actual family members, but... I'm I'm gonna throw it out there. Yo, why the fuck would that cop even agree to do the show? I mean, you could throw it out there, you know, which his ex even asked, why did Jimmy Snuka think, yo, you know what I'm gonna put in my book? That Vince McMahon showed up to the police office, police station with a briefcase, and that he left with me and no briefcase. I mean, that. how do you have a fucking meeting with the cops for an hour and there's no transcript of it? It's a very good question. And how how did that cop have no answer for that? It's just, well, I guess it wasn't about anything important. What? You know, I'm going to just throw it out there. Who makes that decision? When they say a cab, they mean a cab. Yep. Yes, all cabs. Um, also, I did appreciate the moment of Sam Fatu completely just realizing he blew Jimmy Snooker's alibi. This is like that one show way back when where somebody confessed it in the bathroom at the very end. I forget the show's I mean, name, but you know what I, I'm talking about. Yeah, it was, it I would, was I would never, I would never just rub my feet on Jimmy Snooker's couch just for the sake of it. Yeah, I... Yeah, I was in the car with Jimmy Snooker's couch. <laughs> That's pretty. That is pretty cool. They say I'm, I'm real. It's like, oh shit. Oh, whoops. Was I protecting him this whole time and I just forgot? Oopsies. That's kind yeah. of a whole deal here. It's like there's such a loose alibi around all this shit, and yet it's worked for so long, perhaps forever. Yeah, like, because... that's, and that's the thing that definitely did stick stick out to me here is that like. It felt like everybody involved kind of understood that it was bullshit. Like, even even Snooka's ex-wife. Widow, not ex-wife. Sorry, widow. Oh, right. Right, right. Not the not the ex-wife that apparently he was cheating on with Nancy Argento. Who was yeah. living with their four children. Holy fuck, Jimmy Snooka's a piece of shit. I, the one thing that I kind of wish they did mention in the documentary just as far as, like, Vince doing cover-up bullshit is the other story that had always been going around around this is, in addition to he walked in with a briefcase full of money and walked out with Jimmy Snooker, is after he walked out with Jimmy Snooker, basically told him, hey, in kayfabe, you don't speak English. Hmm. (laughs) I've heard about this story and shit, yeah. And, yeah, like, this was definitely, I don't think this was my favorite episode, this was not my favorite episode of Dark Side of the Ring this year. Yeah, I'd say it's definitely the weakest of of this season. But, you know, as I was saying to you outside of this, this feels at least on par with the Gorgeous Geno episode. 
Yeah, no, I, I think it's it's not the you know I, I was actually thinking about this. I think the weakest of the se- of like the entire series is is the Macho Man episode. I was going to say the weakest of the entire series is the Moolah episode because that feels like oh yeah the yeah. Moolah the ending of the Moolah episode completely fucks it up. You're right. You're right. Yeah, the Macho Man one's weak because it is like only one major revelation. But yeah, the Macho Man one, one just the Macho Man one just felt like a good primer for people that did not know the story of Macho Man and Miss Elizabeth. Yeah, it was the no. VH1 behind the music of Macho Man. Yeah, exactly. It didn't really have a... I felt like like that one definitely had the least to say. Mm-hmm. For whereas, sure. whereas the fucking Moolah episode had a lot to say, it's just some of the things that we're saying was really questionable. Mm-hmm. I also... I did see someone raise the point that's like, yeah, Chris Jericho agreeing to narrate this is basically Chris Jericho confirming, yeah, I don't ever want to work for Vince again. I mean, you better he thinks he's above that now, where he's too big a talent to have to worry about Vince blackballing him. I'm going to say few talents are big are bigger than saying, so when Vince McMahon walked in with the briefcase, with the briefcase for the police meeting to get Jimmy Snuka off for murder. Mm-hmm. I think Chris Jericho really does think he's that big. I guess you could say after all of this, the one conclusion that you really come to is he's a real Jimmy Crooker. I'm I hate I'm, him. I'm I'm leaving, I'm hitching oh, and I'm going him. cross country, I'm going to just drive straight to Antarctica and never be seen again. John, this is why I'm not on this show every week. <laughs> you need to be on here! Get him in order! <laughs> This is your show, I, man. I've run here. God turn. damn it! I, Look, I, I, I will say this episode. Yeah, this episode definitely felt a lot weaker than a lot of the others, but also still a fascinating, still fascinating. Yeah, still great. I, I think that they, you know, it had like clearly, like I, I knew some stuff about the story already. I knew some stuff about Jimmy Snuka, but like. I didn't know everything that they said in there, so I, I thought it was really interesting, really well done. Like, yeah, all these all these are really excellently done. Like, even the worst ones are still good. So, you know what? This is a very good episode that you should all watch. I am very excited for next week's, though. And what's that, Oscar? Dino Bravo. Yeah, that's going to be fun. And everything I've ever watched about the Quebec Mafia is fascinating. Yeah, I'm, I don't really know anything about the Quebec Mafia, so I'm really interested for this episode. It's, it's fucked up. I mean, you know, all mafias fucked up, but indeed. Yeah, but yeah. That's Dark Side of the Ring. Uh, before we go, you know, some fucking wrestling happened tonight. You wanna just cliff notes it? Not even. We're not even gonna play. Let's let's play a game of it's Wednesday wrestling. Does anyone care? No. Okay. I care about one thing. Let's let's go over some some cliff note stuff of, of like a, a little things that happened. Like so. Owen. What? Go on. What's the I'm one sorry, thing you I, care about, Owen? Yeah, let, let's get the one thing, and then we'll go over the cliff notes because it, it wasn't technically that. on the show, but a certain someone debuted on NXT, and I mean that was on the show, and we're going to talk about it. I mean, so yeah. you don't even have to say that because I've trust me. I know, and I'm going to mention it. All right, good. Because I'm, I'm 
because I'm heated. Good. So, yeah, all right. NXT this week. First of all, uh, show show note here, or house cleaning note. Uh, so, yeah, I watched NXT this week because I was, you know, especially curious to see if uh, they, you know, how they were going to do Drake Maverick and how they were going to send Drake Maverick off. <laughs> uh, Good one. What became clear to me watching this episode and also based on, you know, Drake Maverick saying that, like, you know, oh, these last three matches I have, I'm going to be fighting for my life here. It became clear to me, oh, I don't think NXT's live. Because it wouldn't really make sense for them to have Drake Maverick have three more matches if they hadn't already filmed them. You know? Yeah. So, NXT's not live. Also, fuck this company, I don't care anymore. So, yeah, we're not, we're not doing that. We're not doing that. Mm-hmm. Fuck NXT. I mean, yeah, fuck NXT. It's not like we've really been covering NXT much this year anyway as it is, but also yeah, no. This will be this will be our last weekly coverage of NXT for a while. But anyway, yeah. uh the few things that did happen on this show of note are fucking Tazawa beat Swerve in the fucking tournament. So what's the point? I mean, Why would you do this? He's not out of it yet. I know, because they're doing it G1 style. But also, hey, maybe you shouldn't be doing an interim cruiserweight championship tournament in the first place because that shit's dumb. It feels trying time. to be like real sports. Regardless, though, the two important things that happened tonight were in the main event, they had uh, Matt Riddle versus and a mystery partner versus... Uh, Bobby Fish and Rod Strong for the the tag team championships, and it was the NXT debut of Timothy Thatcher. I mean, makes sense, but uh, that guy's very the, angry. Yeah, I mean, look, he's super pissed that he had to sign with WWE because New Japan didn't want him. Okay, right. He's just a wrinkly, hairy, angry man. Yeah, and the show ended with the. Uh, Tommy Champ's cutting a, a promo in some weird backstage area where he gets jumped by the debuting Killer Cross. Except, except not Killer Cross. You can't use Killer. Come on. They named him Carrion Cross. Carrie Ann Cross. Carrion, like a vulture, but mm-hmm. with a K because of it's course. Mortal Kombat rules. Well, that's same initials, KK. I mean, did he see his shirt? There's a vulture. Wait, does he slide? Um, I don't think he does. God. Tick tock, your time is up, pivotal. Killer Cross debuted, and it was it was pretty cool, admittedly. But also, Carrion Cross is a real dumbass name. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to say Killer Cross is a great name either, but it fit him. It's and at least it's at least catchier. It at least evokes yeah. something. I mean, fuck, man, Killer Kowalski. It evokes that. I mean, yeah, and I mean, look, this is why you just give him back the nickname, Killer Carry and Cross, and then God WWE. This is highly racist and offensive. We're just no. We are like okay. I get it. Like this is the company that did Jordan Miles, but come on, man. The point being. 
of all this is that Killer Cross actually had a weird little uh, interesting fact this week where he pulled uh, he pulled a classic uh, Monday Night Wars and appeared on two shows this week. Because Killer Cross was also on MLW. <laughs> nice. Because, he, yeah, like, apparently, like, Cross taped some shit with MLW a while ago, and MLW yep. finally showed one of the matches this week. Yep, that was his last taping with MLW, as I'm to understand. Yep, and so he appeared on two, on WWE programming and MLW programming in the same calendar week. That's pretty funny. Yep. Did he have a beard for one of them? I mean, he had a beard for both of them. It might have been slightly different trimmed, I don't know. Might have been. I don't really remember, honestly. I just hope that no matter what happens, he is able to bring his full psychotic character that does, like, wrestling different than anyone else in basically wrestling. And is allowed to, like, flourish like that. Because legitimately, and I know he's maybe a little strange in some ways, but when he is on his game, he is one of the most unique talents to witness. So I'm hoping they don't squander that. Yeah, and, like, I think that they could do a really good job with that, uh, with his first, you know, his first big opponent being, like, this weird, like, baby face version of evil, psychotic, stone-cold killer uh, Tommaso Ciampa. Like, I think that they could do some interesting stuff with that. The problem is, we're never going to know because we're not going to watch it because fuck this company. Yeah, it's a shame. It sure is a shame all the horrible things that Vince has done in the past several weeks, but... You know, hey, they're just revealing everything we've always known about them. Mm-hmm. And it sure is fun to watch. Oh, Speaking yeah. of people that we shouldn't really be trusting, though, but at least they're, you know, slightly on a moral high ground, although not really. Yeah. Let's talk the- about some AEW. Or at least, talk- first off, let's talk about the offshoot of AEW, the best wrestling show two years running, being the Elite. Yeah, so being the elites doing a bunch more matches, most of them are just jobber based, um, or making fun of jobber structures and things like that. Like, sounds like a great wrestling show. Look, VG man, opens this Matt week. Hardy is really good into reading rules. Mm-hmm. He reads the rules for what a squash match is at the beginning of this. Being the elite, uh, part about how one, sh- please. Yeah, part one of three, which again, wild. <laughs> But, yeah, it's, you know, it has to be under three minutes. Um, the jobbers can only get in one offensive move, and the match must end with an old-school finisher, which it did, the Doomsday Device. Um, and SCU beat some jobbers. Doesn't hey, matter. Don't forget, he listed out the teams whose finishers you're allowed to use. Yes, he did list, like, it was three or four teams. It's a good watch. I won't spoil it too much. It's Matt Hardy being completely stupid, which people seem to love. Um. That he did. And then in the second part two, he read the rules for a bat under the limit battle royal. He sure did, and that's the thing. Now, the under limit battle royal was basically everybody who was there at the Jackson compound entering this PWG ring they'd rented to put on this tennis court, and doing. I think that is pretty cool. That they rented the actual PWG ring. Yeah, that is kind of actually hilarious. Um. But basically, this all leads up to the most important bit. Um, Matt and Nick Jackson are going to fight on BT200. Because uh, Nick Jackson me. wonder, yeah, what? I feel like you're forgetting the actual most important bit, which was when 
Fucking. <laughs> Peter Avalon eliminated himself, then stole Brandon Cutler's camera so that Brandon Cutler could get in the ring and immediately get eliminated. This is true. Um, which, by the way, in my stats, I do have it set that Peter Avalon eliminated himself. So he gets points for an elimination and points for being eliminated against. So it's a wash. I, I, I love this stupid storyline they're doing with them. Yeah, and by the way, if you want to know the bigger jobber, statistically, it's still Brandon Cutler. Hooray! Um, but, you know, who, who knows? Who cares? Also, if you want to really get into it, also, Nick Jackson not only entered the ring and did an offensive move, he then got out of the ring, and Scorpio Sky, who had been eliminated earlier, was playing basketball in the court nearby. He ran over there and did NBA Jam moves on him, and then ran back in. Also, tried to do an Irish whip against Peter Avalon into a tennis net. It's pretty good. All this leads up to the end of the Battle Royale. Matt Jackson, Nick Jackson are the final two. Nick Jackson suplexes Matt Jackson and then announces that his choice for the match for BT200 is Matt. So they're going to have a fight. Everybody's worried about it. Nick's just going to attack Matt's back. Matt's going to employ some deeper strategy, but Nick is just going to attack that back. That's all you need to know about BT, in my opinion. I like uh, I like that part three had some good ass cameos from Marty and Flip. Yeah, that's another good thing is they did bring in a bunch of cameos that were unexpected. You know, basically the villain Marty Scroll coming in to say, "I don't care about either of them; they're dead to me." Um, you know, also, Flip I wants did. To be booked. I did. I did really like that in part two the the dream sequence that they had for uh, for Luchasaurus, where they pretty much made it clear that. Vibora is real in this universe. That yep. Lucha Underground is real. Yep. They and sure fucking did. Taya actually did murder him. Yep. Yeah, that that was a weird situation that Taya Valkyrie is still showing up in BT, but it's happening. It's happening, alright. Mm-hmm. I, I hate to tell you this, John. Everything we've described for BT is way more interesting than anything that happened in Dynamite. Oh man, I, I mean, admittedly yeah, no. I didn't really watch that much Dynamite. I watched I watched Lance Archer and I watched a little bit of the Moxley match before going. Ooh, this doesn't seem very interesting. The Moxley watched, Hager match was terrible. I watched Dynamite for about thirty minutes today. In that thirty minutes, they played the FF Seven Bullet with Butterfly Wings ad twice, and and they played both ads that use Bad Guy. Sure. Yeah. So here's the thing is that like I I actually am kind of interested in in the Moxley Hager match because you know I I tuned out of it very quickly because like one thing that I thought was interesting you know I I listened to uh, Moxley was on uh, Wrestling Observer Radio uh, earlier today mm-hmm. uh, talking a little bit about the match and he had mentioned you know like hey you know we tried to have like a very different feel to things we tried to do some some things different so I was expecting like when he was saying that like oh I was thinking like okay maybe it's going to be something like you know kind of weird and different like they did with uh, wrestlemania and yeah. i was surprised to see that oh wait no this is just a standard fucking like match ass match at fucking daily's place and it seemed like you know I, I will admit like the little bit i watched it did seem like they're trying to do some maybe like go for more of a hard hit new japan style i was about to say it was more like new japan than it was actually anything new or you know interesting it was just basically 
that kind of hard-hitting New Japan where you go outside the ring for a long while, battle around the entire arena, and then go back to the ring and have a proper match. And it's that like all. And the thing is, that, like, there's a part of me that feels like maybe that could work, even if it is like you know, fucking Hager being the most boring version of Minoru Suzuki on the planet. Like, mm-hmm. there's a part of me that feels like that could potentially possibly work okay, but not in front of no crowd. I was going to say, I've seen better MMA-style wrestling from independents around here. Hmm. Like, I'm trying to think of his name. Um, Daniel Makabe fighting um, Jeff Cobb's girlfriend, uh, Desi Dorada, in a match that was extremely MMA-styled. And it was way more interesting than what we saw here because it was a lot more grapply, it was a lot more physical, and yeah, this just this just didn't hit that point. It was just it was still wrestling all throughout. There was nothing here that felt unique. It just felt like it was an empty arena and they just fought a standard match there. You could have done this with a chair at the end. And they had a chair at the end, but even JR kind of poo pooed that at the beginning. It's like why are we putting chairs out there when there's nobody here? He's got a point. I mean, he look, he did. It's like they should have had that in- arena completely empty, like packed up and everything if they wanted to make it a true empty arena match. But yeah, of course true. they didn't because they filmed this a month ago or so. Yeah, it was like it was very clear and also very strange. It's like, wait, why are we back in Daly's place? And why mm-hmm. is JR doing solo commentary when we've had Tony Schiavone and Chris Jericho the entire show? Yeah, it just it was completely nonsensical. Also, it, I will say the, that I feel they like did I the feel fusion like dance and JR or JR is the product of Jericho and Tony Schiavone. I feel I do feel like it does stick out when you have that line about, you know, JR asking why are the chairs there and everything when you literally had Jericho explain it last week of why are there barricades there so we can fucking hate each other with them. What do you think? Yeah, which he needed somebody like that to say that though. If Jericho had been there right beside JR, he would have insulted him and said that's why. Which, at that point, it makes sense. But JR on his own is just basically tearing apart the illusion of wrestling. Yeah. And, like, I, I will say, like, the little bit I heard of JR, I was surprised. It was like, you know, actually, he's not bad doing it, like, solo. Like, he's not bad doing cer- it solo? Certainly better, I would say, Owen, than, say, a Tom Phillips on a dark match that they had. Well, JR is a professional here. <laughs> oh, ouch. Sorry, Tom. Wow. I like Tom Phillips. Hating on your fellow Philly boy, Jesus Owen. I, I like Tom a lot, but JR is a that, legend. I know it's that true. you have some problems with the things that he's sending ladies on tw- on Twitter DMs, but seriously. <laughs> no comment. Why do I have all these pictures of feet? Look, um, that, don't kink shame. I'm not. I'm just that, saying. That, that's the official kink of Philadelphia. I don't think so. I think cheese is. Who doesn't like a good fuck face? As someone, <laughs> as someone that has spent a lot of time impersonating the great people of Philadelphia, I think I know a thing or two about what Philadelphians really want. He, he, Owen is shaking his head. No, I'm going to say flat out, Oscar. No, you don't. <laughs> but I, I think some. I never said actually... Oscar did. I said real Philadelphia. Owen. Son of a bitch. God damn it, the loopholes. <laughs> so yeah, that Moxley-Hager match seemed pretty whack. Yeah, I, the best thing that's come out of this is when um, all the lines that JR said that had nothing to do with either wrestler get taken out of context and put into somebody's home life. Like having to fight all these inanimate objects like stumbling around a house or something. 
The only but other things I really noticed were Lance Archer and Colt Cabana. That that actually seemed pretty good. It was a decent match. I like uh, Lance Archer you knew punching the happen. shit out of that dude in the crowd. Yeah, it's like that's Lance Archer's hell. He won. Of course he was going to win because Lance Archer is a new hotness and Colt Cabana is a seasoned vet who has nothing to prove. He's also a wrestler. He's also a wrestler, a podcaster, an entrepreneur, and a jobber. Um, but yeah, and then there's just a bunch of jobber matches after that, like legit ones. Um, where Britt Baker, Sammy Guevara won, uh, Chucky e. T jobbed to Kip Sabian, who they're trying to push and get some hotness on. Yeah, that was strange. I mean, it was a fine match. It was just, had some funniness in it, where now we know that Jimmy Havoc is aligned with uh, Kip Sabian and Penelope Ford. I did which... really like Chris Jericho talking about how Penelope and Kip live in a very nice room and Jimmy lives in a box. Which is true. I mean, it's Jimmy Havoc. I did like the moment where Penelope Ford was on was on the ring apron taking off her top and, and being all sexy to, to distract Chucky e. T. And then Orange mm-hmm. Cassidy jumped up on the, the ring apron and did doing... the same thing to distract Kip Sabian. Yep, and it more confused Kip Sabian, but worked all the same. Hey, don't kink shame. Hey, again, don't kink shame. It's Orange Cassidy. Everybody else would go gaga for that. Yeah, yeah, we're all nodding at that one quietly. We know, we know. We know, we know. Nobody's arguing. How do you think Orange Cassidy is in bed? Uh, I'm I'm the exact wrong person to answer this because I I'm holding don't... a half-hearted thumbs up. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note, it's going to be it for this week. I think. Anything yeah. else happen on, on Dynamite that you want to talk about, Trace? No, we already talked about way more than I thought we were going to. It was a pretty bland episode. I might say perhaps even the worst one they've done, um, especially since it was legitimately outshined by BTE, which is weird to think about. It really is. But, I mean, admittedly, it's a pretty fucking bland rest- week for wrestling, all things considered. Yeah. It's like the, this week, more than anything, is showing that, like, yeah, essential my ass. Yeah, AEW is going to be struggling during these tapings, and they've also announced that they're going to do an empty arena double or nothing. That's right. That is the one thing that we forgot to talk about here that we should say before we go is, yeah, uh, they did announce that double or nothing is going to be happening from an empty arena. It's not going to be happening from the MGM Grand anymore. Anybody that has tickets, they're going to honor it for for double or nothing three next year, uh, May 29th. They've already announced the date, Mm -hmm. but... Yeah, if it goes forward, and I guess there's a part of there's a part of me that is still trying to hold out hope that like they'll maybe say actually maybe we should just push it back. Although I really am thinking, considering that fucking Florida seemingly going to be running, that they're just going to say no fuck a Daly's place, let's go, baby. I, I think mean... that's probably what's going to happen. Yes, like. Yeah. I'm, I want to try and give them the benefit of the doubt that they're going to fucking reconsider this. Although I, I really don't think they will. But yeah, Double or Nothing is still going to be happening as planned. And it's still going to be 50 bucks. Yeah, and that's the biggest complaint I saw. Is like Everybody's bitching and moaning. And, un, and for good reason, too. Like You're making us pay $50 for an empty arena event where we have to worry about the safety of these wrestlers. There's going to be no crowd reaction. And you're going to try and ramp this up to be a pay-per-view? This makes no sense. This is a terrible idea. Which, I mean... I mean, hey, WWE charged 60 for Mania. They sure did. They sure did. And look, like, here's the thing I will say 
to their credit is like if they're gonna try and do something similar for that like if they're gonna do if they're gonna try and do say like the elite deletion like if that's gonna be a pay-per-view thing then like and you're gonna do a bunch of weird tape stuff like that in addition to like your your other matches then okay maybe that's something that's more interesting it could be like actually worth the money but, but even then, though, I think a but, whole pay per view of that would get boring. For, like, yes, yeah, the cinematic shit was great. I don't want to watch. I don't want to watch three hours of the Firefly Funhouse. Yeah, and the other thing I was going to say, more pressing than that, is just don't do it. Yeah, just push don't it off. Do it. Mm-hmm. Cancel it. Do whatever you have to. This is not the time for this shit. This is the biggest worry you have for AEW is that they're trying too hard to continue to exist when maybe they need to just pump the brakes limit themselves as strangely as they can i feel like the fear though is that they're still new Mm -hmm. if they go out of the public consciousness they might not get back in it that i think is a legitimate concern and it's a serious concern and also they have to keep going if wb's going to keep going yeah because otherwise wb starts winning freebies and yeah, even if it's narrow wins, like by one thousand viewers or some such bullshit, you know. Like this least... is, I would hate to see what would have happened if we had a pandemic like this at the height of the Monday Night Wars, and like um, the trash that would have happened on both ends. Rest in peace, Bob Bagwell. That was COVID. Same. It was gonorrhea. <laughs> So yeah, folks, everything's in real flux right now, and it remains to be seen where things are going, but, well, sadly, wrestling's gonna keep continuing. Wrestling doesn't get it. Wrestling doesn't get it. And so we'll be here to fucking read the tea leaves and watch as it all fucking burns down and post-mortem and go, how could this have happened? How could all these people be, like, suffering? And it's like, gee, I wonder. I, yep. I'm, it's, it's morbid that this thought is even in my head, but it's going to take a fucking wrestler dying to stop this. It will, yes. It will, re- and honestly, I mean, I hate to be even more cynical about it, but a wrestler dying on a pay-per-view did not stop it. No, but, you know, do you remember how when we talked about Dark Side of the Ring a few weeks ago, and they had talked about how the coverage of how could WWE be so irresponsible to let Chris Benoit murder his family. Mm-hmm. Imagine yeah. if beyond at least they could claim ignorance there and say, well, we didn't, you know, we didn't have control over that. That's what if they a, did, yeah. If a wrestler dies of coronavirus, WWE has no way to shield themselves from that. Yeah, everybody is on a fine line here. And if AEW gets somebody sick and hospitalized and possibly dead based on coronavirus, um, that promotion may very well be in hiatus for a long time. Yeah, it, like, well, they could to say they it, could nothing, kill if not flat out dead. Yeah, like they, I feel like if that happens, they have basically killed all of the fucking goodwill that they have built up. Like they basically, mm-hmm. 
You know, there are a lot of, I feel like a lot of the narrative that I've seen from AEW ever since, like, Dynamite happened has basically been a lot of people that, like, you know, there's been a lot of people that really love AEW, a lot of people that really love what it is, and a lot of people that do feel like, hey, I feel like AEW lied to us, and, like, they promised us, like, something very different, something very new, and they're doing, like, a lot of the same shit. You know, it's... It's not anything new. It's stuff we've talked about before. Like, say, for example, the way that they aren't really great in positioning some of their queer wrestlers in a lot of ways. Like, the fact that Sonny Kiss is basically Mr. Dark. Yep. But... the It feels like the honeymoon period is over. And, like, it's been over for a while, but it feels like... I mean, it also feels like AEW... It either had to be the greatest thing in the world or it was or it's gonna be a failure just because of the amount of money involved, the amount of talent involved, the huge level of hype. Like they're under a microscope that most startup businesses are not. It's true, but the point is I think like there are a lot of people out there, I feel like, who are already worried about the direction that this company is taking. You know, it's stuff Look, that, this, again, we this... even talked about it on this episode here, of talking about how, like, you know, AEW's never going to support a fucking wrestler's union. They're not going to be behind that. They'll probably do everything in their power to shut it down, too. And I think that if they end up doing the exact same shit that fucking WWE does, and they end up actually causing some kind of problem here, they they're going to potentially... I feel like that's the damned if you do, damned if you don't thing. Like, if they don't do television, they potentially lose audience that they can't get back. And I think that if they do television and they fuck it up and they get someone hurt or dead, they're going to lose that hardcore that they can't get back. I really, yeah, like, I really feel like... I don't... I mean, look, this was the first week of AEW since it premiered. And I do a fucking podcast about this that I was just like, I'm tired. I don't want to watch the show tonight. I didn't care. Welcome to and all of wrestling right now. Welcome to yeah, every like, bit admittedly, of wrestling. This has been the whole, the whole pandemic. I'm The pandemic is at fault here, but also like my interest in just watching and in just watching wrestling is so waned and AEW is not providing me a reason to be like no this is still worth tuning into in these times yeah we, we've had it definitively proven now that nobody has that kind of wrestling they can show you right now on a regular basis something you should tune into continually that is still going on during this pandemic and so, I, I wonder I wonder why? if my thought process would be different if even like I didn't have in the back of my mind the whole time of thinking about David Starr's comments or thinking about like just fucking end this all for the safety of your people. I mean, that's kind of where you have the counter argument to yes, AEW may need to stay into the frame of mind of people and the hearts and minds, but at the same token, if Doing that means you push out shit. Why? Like, you're just diminishing your product's value in the process. Whereas you could just take a break, hide us from it, relaunch. Like, you were relaunched just a, or you launched just a year ago. Like, and make a huge like, debut. Fuck, you know, 
if if the whole if the timeline is what people are saying, could you imagine how big All Out would be if they had taken a break? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Look, at the end of the day, like this whole thing is really fucked up and really tenuous, and no one knows where this is going. No one knows what's going to happen. No one can even really agree on what's going to happen. But I think if there's one thing that the four of us here can all agree on, I'd just like to bring us together here by just sharing some final thoughts on what happened today. Coming from the Monday Night Messiah himself, Seth Rollins. And I'd just like to read these to you. It's just a difficult day for all of us. My heart is broken for the guys and girls who I'm really close with who had it the worst today. And that goes for, you know, talent you guys love on screen. But also everyone backstage, too, who's off screen, who may not get the social media fanfare that some of the talent is getting. But one thing I'm seeing that's a little upsetting to me is all the negative and hostility towards WWE. This is a difficult day for everyone. For all of us. And I think if ever there was a moment for us to unify, to band together, try to do the best we can to try and keep this business alive the best we know how, this is the moment. And I think pointing fingers or saying, you should have done this, you should have done that, is, I don't know, it just doesn't feel like the time or place for it. I think if there's one thing that we can all agree on here, it's shut the fuck up, Seth Rollins. God damn. There's one statement in there that I fully agree with. Now is the time for all of us to unify and band together and create a pro wrestling union. Fucking unionize, you cowards. Fucking unionize, you marks. Or else you deserve exactly what you get. Fight for yourself, because no one's going to fucking fight for you. We can't fight for you. And on that note, y'all, hey, what's coming up on the website? Hey, Owen, what's coming up on the mothership? Oh, right. The mothership is uh, in the shop right now. Well, it all works out because uh, instead of the mothership, uh, we can say the casual Friday will be coming back next week. Yeah. Because, as we mentioned, alluded to earlier, uh, WWE's financial calls is going to be happening next Thursday. So, oh, and I are going to do some shit about that. Stonks. I, I feel like it's going to be very much not stonks this time. Ah, we'll find it's, a way. It's not stonks. Stonks find a way. It sure does, Malcolm. And then, yeah, I guess we'll be back next week to continue to talk about how horrible things are. Maybe next week we'll actually get into the whole essential business shit. Because that's a part of this whole story that we really need to discuss here. Because, yo, what the fuck? I mean, the McMahons gave somebody money and they let them do their thing. I mean, it's something we talked about this entire week. It's just there's some potential ramifications that that's going to have here, considering, oh, like, yeah. yeah, all the sports there. But, look, that's all for next week. Until then, though, <clears throat> Owen. Hi. 
Thanks for being on the show. Yeah, no problem. Like I said, I'll find you. Uh, you can find me on uh, Twitter at the underscore ozone, and uh, every now and then I'll I'll make an appearance on this show. All right then, Oscar. Hi. Where can uh, I find you? Twitter at Osaga the Great, uh, Instagram Osaga the Great, eng dot one nine six six on Yahoo dot ca on PayPal. Pay the Pay man. The man. Are, are you doing something on Twitch? Uh, I mean, by the time this goes up, I think the thing I'm doing on Twitch is probably going to be done. Wow. No, I mean, in the sense that we're literally finishing it probably in a couple hours. Or tomorrow morning. They can see the archives. Uh, twitch.tv slash Rex. I'm streaming the Final Fantasy VII remake with uh, Amanda, my roommate. Nice. Do the squats. Marl. Gotta get this episode up early. Is Spike just a fuck you? Is fire one? Look, you can enjoy the debate. It, it can be one or two syllables. God damn it! It's it's either or. Depends on how you say fire. it. Fire. That's two. You can also say fire. But fire is still fire. two syllables. If it you want, one like two. one syllable it can is be like one or two. Fire. The, the way fire. It, it, said, it said it is usually two, but it can be one. So I'm I'm fully with you're, Dan Reichert on this. You're slurring it as one syllable, but it is still fire. This is the thing that a linguist has said is making it one syllable. So, a linguist. Fuck a linguist. My, my Apple okay. Watch is telling me my heart rate is abnormally high right now. <laughs> Getting heated about the pronunciation of this word. I understand it. Your Trace, heart rate where is can we find fire. You? Heated grammar um, moment. <laughs> You can find me on Twitter at PSEG, that's P-S-E-G. Uh, do not ask me about your power, I don't know shit about it. Stop tweeting me your charitable stories about how you're creating your kitchens and you know donating food to health workers and shit like that or screaming out windows at 7pm. I don't give a fuck about that shit. Just get this goddamn pandemic dealt with and we'll Wow, be this cool. guy doesn't care about charity. <laughs> you know what? That's a whole nother episode right there. You can also find me at twitch.tv slash pseg, that's P-E-A-C-E-G-G, um, where you can possibly give me charity if I get fired from my job in a couple weeks. Probably won't be, but, you know, one can dream, given the shit they throw at me sometimes. Um, I do trucking, I do racing, I do Forza, I do racing, and Thursdays, I do Fortnite. Fortnite! 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 It's the Fortnite Build Bridges. No, don't build bridges. Kill all builders. Fuck no builders. buildings. You can have a little building as a treat. I, I created a uh, sniper nest in a team deathmatch game a few nights ago, and it's pretty cool. Nice. Buildings for suckers. I've been your host, John Gavreski Maxwell. You can find me a whole myriad of places on the internet, including Twitter at IamJohnGM, Instagram at IamJohnGM, Twitch at video underscore shames, and of course, Venmo at I am John. Pay the man. Pay the man. Ah, you know what? It's fine. Pay Oscar. ENG.1966 at yahoo.ca on PayPal. Pay the man. I don't know how... I, I don't know, legitimately do not know how much longer the government is going to... Or how much the government is going to give me money. I mean, hey, you could be part of our cool government and get 1200 bucks. 
I mean, look, they're giving us 2,000 Canadian, which is... Oh, what? God damn it. That's like which is 1,400 US. But also, 14. the average rent in this city is 2,500 a month. Pay Jesus. the man. Well, right then. Yeah, pay the man. ENG.1966 at yahoo.ca on PayPal. Do it, cowards. Pay the man. If you'd like to pay the man in some other way, and you like the content that you've been hearing all this very episode and all that stuff, you could uh, maybe, I don't know, go support us or something? What's that website, Owen? Patreon.cool. You're not Owen, but thank you. I'm real Philadelphia, Owen. Nope. That's not the real Philadelphia Owen voice, so I can't confirm this. Patreon.cool. Patreon.cool. It's not Real Philadelphia Owen voice is the same as my regular voice. It's only John and, and and Ben that have different voices. Hey, John, guess what? It's not just cool to give us money. What's up, Trace? It's not just cool. It's not cool. <laughs> That's ProWrestling.cool, the <laughs> website that we run. You should check that website out. It's a good website where we put things like this podcast and other shows and other stuff. Maybe I'll write again for it one day. Maybe. Pay the man. Pay the man. You want me to write for it? Pay the man. Patreon.cool. I mean, we do have a uh, a tier, like a goal where we start writing stuff on the website. And if John doesn't write it for you, you get to be on this podcast full time. It's true. (laughs) God damn it, John. I mean, again, I could pull that ripcord any time. It's true. I just need to finally finish A Dream Deferred. But you'd have to write, but I, I'd expect I know, payment. I'd have to write one a month, I know. I'm fully aware of what the deal was. Until I figure out how I'm going to be able to write one queer wrestling erotica fan fiction a month. I've been your Just, host, John Gavrisky Maxwell, and this has been episode 26 of Heel Alternative Pro Wrestling.cool's Posse podcast, covering the world of professional wrestling, even if nothing was very posy or very plur this week. Hopefully, it will be more so when we return next week, although probably not, let's be honest. No, no. But until then, y'all, y'all come back now, you hear. <laughs> David? <laughs> I was waiting for one of you to do that. Worst. Y'all come back now, you hear? Go home, Oscar. You're drunk. Solidarity forever. Solidarity forever. Solidarity forever. For the union makes us strong. When the union's inspiration through the workers' blood shall run, there can be no power greater anywhere beneath the sun. Yet what force on earth is weaker than the feeble strength of one? But the union makes us strong. Solidarity forever. Solidarity forever. Solidarity forever. For the union makes us This podcast was brought to you by the Zonecast Network, executive produced by Owen Douglas. Visit zonecast.com for more shows. 